the blast from our past network. Hey, this is John Philbin from Return of the Living Dead, Children of the Corn, and the New Kids, and you're listening to Podcasting After Dark. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Color Out of Space, starring Nicolas Cage, Jolie Richardson, and Madeline Arthur. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Podcasting After Dark. I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. Ooh. Ooh. And this week, we are doing Color Out of Space. Woo! Oh, yeah. I cannot wait to deep dive into this bad boy. (laughs) So, this is basically our first sort of modern cult classic. I... I guess I can say that, right? Because we're still too close to the release of this film to know if it's going to be a genuine cult classic. But I think uh, you and I have enough history between the two of us where we can sort of see the writing on the wall as to what down the road is going to be considered a cult classic. And I think this is going to be one of those movies. Yeah, I think if we're giving a podcasting after dark stamp of approval uh, for current or future cult classics... This would get it, for yeah. sure, without a doubt. Ex- big old stamp of podcasting after dark right there on the cover. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to have to be the one to choose the stamp because you're going to be like, it's got to have boobs on it. It's got to <laughs> have. It's got to. It's got to have like a big hairy. Nah, Corey, Corey, get your mind out of the gutter, son. <laughs> hey man, they don't call me sleazy C for nothing, and hey. by they, I mean you. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, Yeah, so we're going to do things a smidge differently this episode, and we're going to start off by giving our overall thoughts very spoiler-free, very uh, top-level you know, stuff, not really deep thoughts on the movie because we want to give people a chance who have not seen Color Out of Space yet to actually you know, stop and, and go check it out based on our recommendation or not. Um, but after we do that, then we'll jump in like we normally do and start you know, talking about the cast, and then we're going to get into just a straight, normal breakdown of the film. So, And, and basically... Our, our review at the beginning is just going to take the place of the conversation we normally have as to what the history we have with this movie is. So Because we don't have any history with this movie at all. No. The, um, you know, Tony Arlington, our good fan and friend, uh, had asked if this was going to be a, like, if this was what we we're going to do from now on, like kind of get into more current films and I don't know. Personally, I don't know. Uh, But I'm glad you chose this movie because I'm excited about it. Obviously, don't have a history uh, with it because it's what, like two or three months old? Um, Yeah, yeah. But we do have a history with the director. We sure do. And many notable people in the cast. Well, two. Very much so. And, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, it came and went in the theater. I think it's awesome that it got a, that it actually came to the theater. Uh, I know some people, Robert Ortiz, I think was able to see it in the theater when it came out. Um, and I wish I could have seen it in the theater because it, the, the experience would have been, you know, even more outstanding. Yeah. But, uh, I'm glad you chose it, dude. 
Yeah, man. Me me too, buddy. I, I know that this was obviously uh, a crapshoot, right? Like, this could have sucked. We, di- we didn't know. Um, so, but... I- I wanted to dive into Richard Stanley's newest film because, I mean, it's been about, I think, 20 years since he last made a movie. So this is, I mean, this is huge, especially for someone who is a fan of the auteur like we are. So I, I, you know, I told Tony when we were, I was talking to him online when he asked if, like you said, if this was going to be a normal thing. I was like, yes and no. I think we'll do it as it's appropriate, as we sort of feel it. Like, Zach and I kind of both felt this one would be appropriate, and then... Then moving forward, if another movie pops up sometime this year, sure. I, I kind of would, would ask that maybe Zach picks the next one. So, like, maybe, like, we only pick a couple every year type of thing of, of newer yeah. stuff. Because I still think at the end of the day, the podcast is still going to be about cult movies from the 70s, 80s, and early 90s and everything. Because it's all about our nostalgia and how we feel about them. But, yeah, dude, like, with, with Nicolas Cage, with Richard Stanley, all, you know, all the people that are involved with this, even Elijah Wood. It's like, I feel like there's enough pieces involved that we can sort of look at it through a faux nostalgic lens, if you, if you were, as it were, I should say, a, a faux nostalgic lens, as it were. Including that, uh, the source material being H.P. Lovecraft. And so obviously, um, there's, yeah, there's enough nostalgia from the elements combined to make this movie to have a level of nostalgia with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's so it's not an easy that, thing to, to do, but yeah, did that make sense. Yeah, I think it made sense. Uh, I yeah, know what you were saying. <laughs> okay, cool. Of course you do because we're brothers, but um, <laughs> in, in the, in the best sense, but, uh, but yeah, dude, like, you know, from the onset of this movie, uh, I was, you know, impressed, uh, actually not impressed by the opening credits. Cause they were a little, him ham hom but uh <laughs> if that's even a term I, if not i just coined it ding but uh yeah dude like the fact that you know nicholas cage has um uh, you know you know someone had a resurgence in my opinion thanks to that movie mandy which if you guys haven't seen you need to check out that could be considered a modern cult classic as well and it's funny that nicholas cage is in that as well but you know, <laughs> i mean ha- i'm I'm not going to lie to you. Mandy could show up on this podcast at some point this year or whenever because, yeah, Yeah. it's good. It's a good movie. I will push back and say that um, I feel like he's gotten a nice resurgence ever since Mom and Dad. I think that movie was absolutely outstanding. It's still in my Hulu queue. Okay. Please watch that ASAP. It is so much fun. It's not a zombie movie, but I still it has a lot of zombie tropes to it, and I think it was it's a one of the better modern zombie movies. To be honest with you, even well, though it's not a zombie movie, I, I'll give you that. I, I, I watched like the trailer and I saw a little thing online, a uh, little little feature ad or whatever, uh, and you know I, I noticed people have compared Color Out of Space to uh, the Thing. And I understand when we get into the spoiler part of the show, why that would make sense outside of that. uh, Not so much in my opinion. However, just going back to the root of why one of the reasons why it makes sense to do this movie uh, when we interviewed Tony Timpone last year uh, and for, for our Patreon exclusive. And if you're not a member of that, you should definitely check it out. Um, And if you had a chance to listen to it, when it was uh, for 
posted for free. I hope you enjoyed it as well. But he mentioned that he's a big Richard Stanley fan and he saw Colorer Out of Space when it had just come out. And he loved it, absolutely loved it. And I'll be honest, Tony Timpone, uh, if he tells me a movie's good, I'm going to check it out. He just talked about on his personal page um, the the shark movie that came out last year where people were trapped in like a hurricane and, and it's like this girl and her and her dad and and the, the oh sorry not a shark oh, an alligator oh, crawl yeah crawl, crawl I've yeah. been hearing nothing but good things about that movie yeah he gave it a glowing review and I was like yeah. okay that's all I needed to hear you know yeah, uh, yeah. because yeah. in my opinion those are the reviews those are the reviewers that I listen to I listen to our friends I listen to people that follow the show and recommend stuff to us I rec I listen to um you know people who are horror genre fans horror sci-fi genre fans. I don't necessarily listen to outside of Peter Travers from the Rolling Stone, anybody else, because yeah. uh, I think there, there's a bias. I think there's always been a bias with horror sci-fi. Uh, I think it's like this. It's it's the same with like wrestling, pro wrestling. You know, there's people that either love it or you hate it. And there's no real in between. And there's like this attitude of like, you know, oh, it's not for me. or oh, It's so like low grade. Well, then. Don't shit, you know, then that's, then it's not for you, man. Like, I love that meme or that gif <laughs> of the fucking dude, because that's kind of how I live my life. When people go to shit on something, I just pull that quote up. Like, that's just like your opinion, man. You know, yeah, yeah. that's about it. Um, every, I, I've not been steered wrong from my friends yet. Uh, new friends. Well, yes. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, no, but I anyways, think I, I think I watched this before you because I think you watched it last night, right? I watched it the night before we reviewed it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Good Which call. Which would be when, last when, night. Yes, when people are actually listening to this, <laughs> they won't. They're like, what does last night mean? <laughs> when is that? Um, wait, wait, man. Yeah. What's going on here? <laughs> yeah. So I think I texted you like right away. I was like, it's. I said it's. It's gleefully disturbing, and, uh, yeah. and that's that's kind of what I've been telling people about this film. They're like, oh, but you know, what'd you think and everything? I was like, you know what? I I very much enjoyed it. Um, I don't think it's perfect by any stretch of the imagination. It's not uh, the greatest thing I've ever seen in my entire life, but I Agreed. thoroughly enjoy every single minute of it. I think Agreed. it's a beautiful film. I Agreed. think it's it's a very fun film. Agreed. And <laughs> and the thing is, like like people are like, oh, but like, is is it nasty? Is it gross? And I go, you know what? It's gleefully disturbing. It's not horrifically disturbing like hereditary it's a lot more fun disturbing well i uh to go back to the nostalgia factor uh elements of it reminded me not so much yeah the thing uh, a little bit uh but from beyond mm -hmm. definitely uh society. Well, both that which was also an hpa lovecraft based on hp lovecraft story exactly and then society uh, right. Brian Usna's Society, which is not H.P. Lovecraft, but it's Brian Usna who's connected to the H.P. Lovecraft folklore. Uh, love to have him back on the show and get his opinion on it. Anyways, um, yeah, dude, like those elements. And then as I was saying to my wife all night, classic cage, classic cage, <laughs> classic yeah. Nick cage. And then, and then, you know, this is this is for the, the, the people who don't want to be spoiled. Uh, if you like. If you're not a fan of Nicolas Cage, you're not going to really like this movie, I think, that much. If you are a fan of Nicolas Cage and his spastic kind of like, uh, you know, typical, he, he, it's like what Al Pacino does, you know? There's, there's certain actors that do their same shtick, and he does it in this, but 
I love Nicolas Cage. Uh, I was reminded of that when I watched this. I'm like, oh, shit, yeah. Mandy, he's not like that in Mandy. Mandy he's... is, like, very toned down. Oh, okay. I was actually opinion. I was actually saying, thinking that he was a little bit more toned down here than he was oh. in Mandy. Oh, um, really? Okay, interesting. Yeah, no, but, I, hey, that's, that's – that's, uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen Mandy probably, though – I guess when it first came out on Blu-ray, so maybe like nine or ten months ago or something like that, or about a year, whatever it's been. I haven't seen Mandy since then. I absolutely loved it. I loved Nicolas Cage in it, and I loved Nicolas Cage in this movie. But I just I thought yeah. he was a little bit more subdued here, but, you know, maybe he wasn't. And But you know what? It doesn't matter. It's, like you said, it's Nicolas Cage. If you like him, you like him. If you don't yeah. like him, this is probably not going to change your opinion of that or anything. Yeah. Um, and it, but at the same time, I don't know if it'll really bar you from from like enjoying the movie because it's it is a smidge more of an ensemble cast than it is just a Nicolas Cage vehicle. I actually was was pleasantly surprised that it had a large cast. Consider yeah. I consider it a large cast. I was assuming uh, just based on you know it being kind of. LB low budge uh, that it was going to be, you know, maybe three people and that would be it. But then when it opened up to several other characters, I was totally down, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and actually made me, enjoy- that's one of my, one of my few complaints I have about low budget movies that are good, but they lack in certain areas. That's usually the area that lacks is not having a solid cast. Um, the guy who plays Ward in the movie, he was good, but like, I felt like, you know, he was kind of kind of here nor there in a sense. Like, he didn't stand out to me. But overall, the cast was great. Seeing this, I don't think this is a spoiler because it's, it's in the credits. But seeing Tommy Chong pop up, I was like, oh, oh yeah, shit. Yeah. yeah, no, that's not that's not a spoiler. I think Tommy Chong was the, fucking in dope. In the trailer. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Trailer. Yeah. Um, it's in, and Tommy Chong parties at the uh, my local grocery store. So I see him all, all the time. <laughs> nice. No joke. Nice. <laughs> Tell him you loved him in uh, Colorado Space, dude. So oh, I will. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully, I'm next sure time I see him, I'm sure he'll appreciate that. Um, I gotta, I gotta kind of uh, go on this, the other side of that coin, buddy. I really liked that character Ward in this movie. I liked the actor who played him. I, okay. I liked his character, and uh, yeah, man, it's. Uh, I, but hey, that's it's all subjective, right? Everything uh, tastes are a matter of, of subjective subjectivity, yeah. I should say. But um, yeah. be- before we trip over ourselves with a spoiler by accident, let's wrap up this part because this is kind of new to us. Let's wrap up yep. this part and just, Zach, would you recommend buying this? Like, I, I know you'd recommend someone seeing this, but would you recommend a, this is our parameter, would you recommend a blind purchase of this movie for to somebody that you know might enjoy it? Or would you recommend like a rental? How would you recommend it? No, I re- recommend buying this. I think um, based on our audience, you know, if we're, if we are a, we're genre loving family of podcasting after darkers definitely this would be something uh i think people would buy because it's relatively inexpensive if you think about it it's you know and it's also supporting it's helping support uh filmmakers and visionaries that we want to see more of and i think that's one way to do it uh agreed i I, i've not always been great about that because (laughs) i don't have the funds necessarily but i think you know look it's it's three cups of coffee at Starbucks, not cups, three fucking lattes at Starbucks, you know, or or or, or two, depending on how many add-ons you get. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not that bad. Like I, yeah, no, definitely. Sorry, sorry for the long-winded answer, but yes, I that's a purchase. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, well, 
as as somebody who's watched it twice in the past few days, uh, once just for fun and then once to kind of like break it down, yeah, I absolutely recommend this Blu-ray purchase. Um, you know, I mean, if it was like thirty bucks or something, I'd say no. But you know, find it for twenty dollars. Yeah, absolutely. I think you'll get a, a few viewings out of it. I think you'll get some nice like sharing it with your friends, kind of like rotating through the friend group type of thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I think you'll get some new fans that way. But I. I totally recommend purchasing it. I think it's it's an easy buy. Um, it's an even easier Redbox rental. If if you don't want to purchase it, then just straight up rent it because it basically watch it. It's worth checking out in the end. Well, I know our our uh, our, our good buddy David Alvarado is listening right now, and yeah, dude, uh, you can borrow it from me. <laughs> I won't make you go out and buy it. You can borrow it from me. And come over to the house. We'll watch it. I'm awesome. right now. He's probably like. Oh, fucking A, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking A, all right. I'm gonna turn this I'm gonna turn this podcast off. Gonna go over to Zach's and grab it because the corona quarantine is over with now. And uh <laughs> No shit, right? Wishful thinking, right? Okay. So, all right guys and gals. Uh, feel free to, I don't know, I don't want you to turn off the podcast at this point, but if you don't want any spoilers, we're not gonna censor ourselves moving forward right now. So, dude, what about... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Don't do not don't do not do that. Don't do that, to, don't do that to our fans. How dare you? How dare you? As, as they're quickly trying to, like, pause it. Nah! <laughs> and the ending is... No, 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 no! No! <laughs> all right. Let's start off with Richard Stanley, the director. You guys all know by this point uh, his backstory because you listened to our hardware episode. But uh, the one, the other movie that he we haven't really talked about that he did was Dust Devil. Now I tried to watch that before we did this review, but it is again nowhere to be found online. It's like near dark. And it, the sad thing was, it used to be on Amazon Prime like a year ago, and I tried watching it, did not love it. But I really want to watch it i feel like i should watch it you know but uh yeah. but yeah, yeah that's i, I know it's what a you gap. mean but you know it, it, it don't put it at the don't put it at the top of your list <laughs> you know you're like, you're like i get it but don't beat yourself up that much about yeah. it dude i do truthfully i have tried to watch that movie in my entire life i've tried three times to watch that movie and i could not get into it but i love richard stanley so much so how do i reconcile that you, you know reconcile like, I, by watching his documentary that he that they made about him uh the island of dr moreau and they show clips of dust devil in that so that's a win-win <laughs> yeah, good good point. And I did watch that documentary with you with me. and it is one of the best documentaries I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, dude, it I'll I easily watch that again for sure. Me too. Me too. As and I don't buy a lot of documentaries, but I would own that one, the Lost Soul one, the the whatever it's called, Lost Soul, the something of Island of Dr. Moreau or whatever. It's got a yeah. long ass title. And then uh the other one would be the Electric Boogaloo, the the Canon documentary. I want to own that one too on Blu-ray. By the way, I just bought that In Search of Darkness. Uh, oh. So, yeah. But nice. I don't know if we will discuss that at some point. I, I want to see it, but I do. I did not have the funds to, to plunk down for, I think it was like 40 or 50 bucks or something they were asking for. And I was like, they oh, did a crap. special. They did a special, like, flash sale one uh, weekend, a few weekends back, and I snatched that shit up. It came with, like, three posters, the digital download. And uh, we'll talk about that off the air. Whether I'm... <laughs> and, uh, 
you know, a lot, lots of fun stuff. So there you go. Okay. Nice, dude. I, I mean, I'm sure it was worth the purchase, but you know, Hell with, yeah. with things the way they are, I just, I didn't have that, that funds for it. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I was always secretly keeping my fingers crossed that it's going to pop up on Amazon prime or something, you know, at some point, but, uh, we'll see. It'll I, pop I don't up know. somewhere for you. Yeah, I'm sure it will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's, let's real quick address the producers of this movie. Um, Elijah Wood is one of them. Uh, part of this whole Spectravision is their company. It's, it's him and, and one other guy. I forgot, I forgot his name, but uh, that's their movie company that they pr- produce films with. And I think Maniac was was one of their films, right? Yep. Yeah, the remake of the Bill Lustig uh, slasher, 80s slasher movie. And I I didn't see it. I, I need to see that movie. That's yeah. a movie I need to see because uh, I love the original Maniac. And when I say love, that that's don't take that the wrong way because <laughs> it's a demented, fucked up movie. Uh, but I do love that movie. And... It is one of the most hauntingly terrifying films that I've ever seen. Um, definitely. And so I'd love to see what Elijah's would, uh, sorry, Elijah would, what his take is on it. If this movie informs me of like what the quality is going to be for that maniac remake, then I am all on board because I loved what they did here. I really, really did. Um, and I also love their logo at the beginning there, you know, during the credits at the beginning, I love the SpectraVision logo. Yeah, that was badass. And then it went to the credits and I was like, oh, <laughs> uh, as far as cast goes, um, Nicolas Cage. I mean, what, what do we got to say for Nicolas Cage? I mean, the guy, look, whether you like him or not, I, I personally love him. Uh, he's he's an out there crazy dude. I love his performances. Yeah. Is yeah, he great I, in every movie? No, but is every movie great? No. I mean, he, I, the movies that I like him in that he is good in, I love, actually. So, and he, for me, has, like, really, in the past couple, of, past few months, I brought him up a lot. And I'm just like, I need to go back and revisit some of his more recent stuff. Because, obviously, I love, you know, T to B. T to B, baby. Something in the middle. Bottom. Something in the middle doesn't work. But, you know, T to B, mostly. TV. I I it's weird. I liked Nicolas Cage when I was younger and then when I got in like my 20s and my 30s I kind of fell out of love with him and I was like, "Uh, he's always so crazy. Like why can't you just be normal?" And yeah. and like and so the movies that he was in, I was just like, "Oh, come on. It's just Nicolas Cage being crazy." But now that I'm 42, I'm kind of like re-falling in love with him and and changing my opinion of him and his acting style because I'm like at the end of the day, it's just fun, man. Like his his, yeah. his what he does, what he brings to the table, it makes the movie more interesting. And I'm just I don't need things to be like all serious and 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 oh, it's got to be just like normal or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like now I want a little bit of zaniness to my my movie. Now I want a little bit of crazy right because it brings fun with it it brings some some neat performances and i guess i guess the point is is that it took me a while to just say i get it i get the appeal of nicholas cage now you know and i was someone who straight up hated nicholas cage uh for a while i think even our like the venn diagram of our friendship overlapping like when we first were sort of hanging out i was very anti nicholas cage i wasn't into his stuff but now this mandy mom and dad i'm like oh my god no i i want that energy man i want that i want that nicholas cage energy you know i get it like i feel i said this earlier in the in the show that he is like Al Pacino and or Robert De Niro or I'm not comparing their 
Yeah, I am. Yeah, I mean, because they both had all three have won Academy Awards, and all three have done great movies, and all three have done shitty movies. And mm-hmm. uh, and and then you go, oh, that's typical De Niro. Oh, that's typical Pacino. Well, there's nothing wrong with saying, oh, that's typical Nicolas Cage. And let's be honest, and I'm not shitting on the guy at all, but you know, do you say, oh, that's typical Matt Damon? Oh, that's typical Ben Affleck? Mm-hmm. No, you don't. Those are those guys good actors? Yeah. But the the fact that you go, oh, it's like iconic. That's iconic to me. Um, yeah. You know, he's iconic. Yeah. Would I put him on a Mount Rushmore of my favorite actors? No. But, uh, you know, he's definitely somebody that I, if his name's on the bill, I'll be like, okay, cool. <laughs> you're, you're like, I'm in for a good time tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, well, let's uh, move on to Jolie Richardson. She played the mom, Teresa. I truthfully only know her from Event Horizon. Oh, no. okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's been in a bunch of other shit. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Event Horizon definitely stands out to me. God, that would be a great movie to break down to, by the way. <laughs> uh, just saying. I love that movie, by the way. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I love that movie. Oh, I love that movie, too. I think that movie is... Uh, way, way better than uh, it gets credit for. But yeah. no, I think I think um, yeah, she's mostly known for yeah. I would agree with you. She I hadn't seen her in fucking forever though. Like I know I remember her from. Um, I mean, she was like a big. She was kind of a big deal for a minute when Event Horizon came out. You know, like. Uh, and then I'm, she was in Nip Tuck for forever, but I didn't watch Nip Tuck. But yeah, I, I'm yeah. with you because like right when she came on the screen, I'm like, oh, I was like, oh, it's that lady. And then I'm like, I go right to IMDb and I'm like, oh, yeah, her. And I'm like, oh, wait, I only really know her from one movie, but yet I recognized her and I, I liked her in this. I liked everything she did in this. I liked her in Event Horizon. I guess I should just I just want to say I wish I see more of her. You know, I wish I wish uh, she popped up on my radar more often, but I, I guess I didn't watch Nip Tuck, so I missed a good I mean, seven years of her being on that show, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, she, she's been in a shit ton of stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and she's definitely an A-list actor, in my opinion. So yeah. already this movie has two A-list actors. I will say, because people associate Nick Cage with like a lot of schlocky stuff, so you see his name and you go, okay, this might be another schlocky kind of movie. Then you see her name and you go, oh, okay, might, this might... uh. This might have a little bit of little schmutzbutt to it. It like it like balances out, you know. Like yeah. you need someone that's got like those classic acting chops to sort of go with Nicolas Cage, but them together, like when they're on screen, they I thought they were fantastic. The as, yeah, a, as like mean, a couple, like acting together and everything. Agreed, it was fantastic. Next up, we have uh, Madeline Arthur, who played Lavinia, who the the daughter. Um, I don't know her from anything. Uh, she's she's got a pretty decent you know, amount of credits to her, but it's nothing that I've really seen. Uh, the magicians, I've heard good things, but I've never watched it. Uh, Zach, did you have any familiarity with her whatsoever? No, I never seen her before. Um, but yeah, no, she, 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 I mean, everybody did a great job in this, but she particularly, she had some really big moments that, uh, that I think only good actors could pull off. And she definitely did it in a believable way. Yeah, and, and one would say, I, I think it's pretty much as far as, like, main characters go, it's her and Nicolas Cage's character are, like, essentially the two main characters of this. Even yeah. though there's a couple siblings and the mom, it's still the story kind of mostly revolves around her and Nicolas Cage. 
who and he plays uh, Nathan. So he's Nathan. The mom is Teresa. She's uh, Lavinia, which you can. <laughs> I haven't read the book, but I assume that bec- you know it was like I know all of the H.P. Lovecraft stuff was like back in like 1906 and 1913 yeah. or whatever, a long time ago. So I kind of have the sense that maybe that's like an old school name. Like they didn't change the names from from the book, you know, because uh, who who names their kid Lavinia nowadays? <laughs> Yeah, I wrote that down at one point. I'm like, that's a really odd name to choose for your daughter. That definitely probably wasn't changed, uh, updated. Yeah, yeah, I I, I take it that all the names in this are just the names from the characters in the book. And I I do find sometimes when you're trying to adapt older subject material that it's it's always interesting because like you'll adapt it and put it in modern modern day stuff but then you'll keep the name because you you have to you know because it's it's like we're adapting the the story so you kind of have to keep the name but then the name doesn't really match with naming conventions of you know 20 2020 or whenever her character would technically be born would probably be like uh you know 2001 or something you know No, no one names their kid lavinia in 2001 or 2002 Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're naming their kid Y2K. All right, right. so uh, we got uh, Elliot Knight. He plays Ward, um, who's he's not one of the the, the siblings. He is the um, uh, what do they call him? Basically, he checks the water. He, he's he's checking the he's like a hydrologist or something. Hydrologist, it, yeah, yeah. And I, I assume that's a real word. I don't know, but um, I liked him. I know you said you you didn't love him, but uh, he does have some pretty big acting credits under his name. Uh, he's like how to how to get away with murder, which I think I wow. know him from that. I've seen him cool. on there. Uh, he was in American Gothic. He's on Titans. He's been on Once Once Upon a Time. So he's 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 doing a lot of stuff too. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, we'll get into it, but it just it just he just didn't do it for me. Yeah, no worries. No worries. It's all good. Um Brendan Mayer plays the older brother Benny. He is another actor that I've seen stuff. He was in The Guest, although I do not remember, like, what role he was in that. He was the but... little brother in that. He was the oh, little brother was he? Oh, so he's all grown up now. He's all grows up. Yep. He's all grows up, and he's all grows up, and he's all grows up. Yep, and he was in The OA, which uh, it's a shame that that show got canceled. That show is fucking phenomenal on Netflix, and if and that if you guys haven't seen that, you should check it out. It is it, To me, it was like... That was a groundbreaking show, and uh, and he was great in that. And I remember seeing him that going, oh, he's from The Guest. Cool. And if you haven't seen The Guest, that is a modern cult classic. <laughs> that absolutely is a modern cult classic and one that both Zach and I highly, highly recommend highly. everyone watch. <laughs> yes, please do. Uh, the other sibling, uh, Jack, the youngest. Jack-Jack. Uh, Jack-Jack. His uh, that's Julian Hillard, and I know him from the house on. Oh, wait, I always mess it up. The Haunting of Hill House. That's where I know him from. He did you watch that show? I still haven't watched it. Uh, I know okay. everyone and their mothers tell me to watch it, so I will. Yeah. Um. So the the story. I'm not gonna spoil anything for you. The story kind of has. It takes place in the past and then in the present. And he plays the younger version of one of the characters. Okay. And he he just does a spectacular job. I think he was great in this too. 
Everybody was great. Yeah, you're like you're like, again. Everyone was great. <laughs> even uh, even Tommy Chong, who I don't always like. I was a little bit like uh, worried that Tommy Chong was going to be in this. I was going to be like, okay, but where they put him in the role that they put him was was perfect. It was perfect. He still got to play Tommy Chong, but it didn't really take you out of it. No, his character made sense. It was, everything about him made sense, and he plays Ezra, uh, yeah. but I kept calling him better than Ezra. And uh, I know I can't hear the name Ezra without saying better than Ezra ever. Yeah. He no, you know what? He was he was good living with you. Oh, <laughs> hey, man, that's a great song. Though. I'm not going to lie. I, I love that song. song. <laughs> I used to cover that song. Not, not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> um, the, only, the last person I'll kind of mention, there's a couple other people, but the last one I'll mention uh, is the sheriff is uh, one of the producers. That I didn't know that until I watched the the documentary on this. So cool. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So that was he's just one of the producers of the movie um, with uh, Elijah Wood of Spectrovision, and he did a fine job. As like I didn't even think that he wasn't an actor, you know. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the movie Cabin Fever. I think it's kind of like, eh. uh, this reminded me in some ways a little bit reminded me of that, just in in the in the rural sense, it being in the middle of nowhere uh, with a small kind of group of people and then something kind of horrible happening to them. Uh, and then I think that's, that's when I was like, you can tell who's an actor and who isn't like mm. who, who they just found off the street to play a character. But that, but then that, that's to say, that's not to say that there have been times when you find like random people to, to put in roles and they're really good. Uh, you know, a la like sling blade or something like that. Right. But this was definitely a movie where, I was like, oh no, they, 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 they got, they got people who can actually act versus like, oh, this is my buddy and I want to make a movie and, you know. Yeah, I, I got the sense that he wouldn't have been the sheriff if he was going to be a detriment to the film, you know? Yeah, yeah. So Agreed. he was good. Again, like you said, I'll just say it one more time. Everyone did a damn good job. And hey, we got to give that uh, to Richard Stanley as the director because he directed the actors. That's right. They were good living with you. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's dig into color out of space. Look at this. All those years in the big city, we finally got out. We're living the dream. Maybe it is a dream. Actually, I don't even know what color it was. It wasn't like any color I'd ever seen before. Looks like a meteorite. I mean, it's radioactive. I mean, it's from space, right? Meteorites are generally no more dangerous than ordinary rocks. How can something that big just disappear? Did you plant those? No. Ward, you come here for a sec. Oh, God. What are you doing? Shh. He's talking to me. Who's talking to you? A man in the well. It's in the static. It's in the moisture. 
in here is out there. What's out there is in here now. Everything's under control. Why are you so in denial? That thing from the meteorite changes everything around it. It's just the color. Butter burner. Do you believe me now? I don't know what I believe anymore. So the movie opens with some absolutely beautiful shots of the forest in the fog. Now, Zach, this movie is supposed to take place in New England, and I kind of wish it had a title card saying that because these woods are so clearly not North American woods. And in fact, they filmed in Portugal. This is naive of me to say, but I would not associate that with Portugal. Right? I I know. Me too. I truly don't even know what Portugal looks like. But I can tell you right now, I think Portugal is beautiful. Because, I mean, this movie, we we mentioned uh, the cinematography before. I think you kind of said, yep. Um, The cinematography in this movie is gorgeous. Gorgeous. Gorgeous, baby. So uh, we kind of get a voiceover of, it's Ward. Ward's doing the voiceover and kind of... I mean, it's it's all very like it's kind of love Lovecraftian. I'm I'm sure that Richard Stanley wrote the dialogue from Lovecraft. It's all it's yeah. it's it's like foreboding. It's it's very like like these woods are haunted type of stuff. I didn't write down every single thing he was saying, but it's it's basically saying how the place might be evil, you know, kind of thing, and yeah. just setting the tone of of just something happening, right? Just something a little bit dark and scary in these woods, which. You know, looking back on it, they try to make the woods a bit of a of a foreboding thing, but it never quite comes to fruition in the film. Like, I never quite feel that the woods are a scary place, but they do try to sort of establish that. Yeah, I just I just got the sense that it was very desolate. Yeah, that's about it. And yeah, and I think yeah, they're kind of supposed to be in the middle of nowhere. Um, they're like I think the closest like hospitals like an hour away. Yeah. So they're they're really just supposed to be desolate, which is because then it's like later on you when you start being like, okay, why don't you just leave? It's like they can't because they're so out in the middle of the nowhere. But yeah, tw- twelve miles walking. Yes, yeah, they do say that later. So, but it's it's supposed to be New England. That's where it's supposed to be. So we basically sort of like after the title cards and all that kind of stuff. Now we get into the actual movie and it's like a clearing down by the water, uh, like, like on the edge of like a river and Lavinia is doing like a magical ritual. And right away I was like, okay, here's, here is Richard Stanley. He is, yeah, this is, he's, he does not at all back down from the fact that he practices magic practices ritual magic uh we i've talked to you about it before and everything but i just wanted to say like this is a good example of the 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 world that like the the really the the spiritual world that i sort of inhabit now if if you go on a scale of like one to ten on like how deep the person would be to do this i'm like at a three and that's when i kind of do my sigils and stuff Mm -hmm. this is like a seven and then, like, what she does later with the blood stuff, that would be a 10. But the point is is that they're all in the same wheelhouse 
of kind okay. of like what I've sort of studied. And it was cool to really see Richard Stanley doing it like you can it's not for shock value it's it's a part of her character it's a part of like uh, like deep within her and yeah. richard stanley doesn't yeah. show this magic stuff to make fun of it he shows it to kind of like give you a sense as to where this character has come from and also to sort of take maybe some of the stigma away from magic and everything but all she's really trying to do and she does explain it to ward but what she's trying to do is uh, essentially keep the cancer away from her mom. Um, and she's just praying to the old gods, like, uh, you know, uh, elemental type of gods and stuff. And you, you can say, okay, is it all based on trying to, to appease a god or is it other things? And it's a little bit of both. It's also about focusing your will, focusing your intent. Uh, I, you know, a lot of us could use a little bit of that in life. We all kind of bounce around sometimes like pinballs. And what magic is supposed to do it's not supposed to like you're not supposed to be like dripping with blood and like like making like demons rise. You're it's really just supposed to be about you focusing your intention, focusing your like your will and sort of make little changes behind the scenes to the to the system, to the operating system that is reality to make things come out in your favor. But of course, you never want to do it in a negative sense. She even says it later, I don't do curses because they come back on you threefold. This is all like magic 101 that, that Richard Stanley's doing here. But the cool thing is the cool thing is it's it's you know it's 101, yes, but he's treating it so like lovingly. He's treating it so like correctly, you know. So I I liked that. I liked seeing that. Yeah, it was it was it was cool when she was doing it, and then when Ward rolls up, it was kind of funny because you, you get the, you got the sense like at first I thought it was like a, a flashback to a period years before. Yeah. Know, and and the next thing you know, the way they're the dialogue, I'm like, oh, clearly she <laughs> this is modern and. And she's this, you know, she's a teenager. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because so Ward basically, uh, s- like, stumbles upon her doing her thing. And she she completes the ritual, but she kind of realizes that he's there, gets mad at him. And uh, she he says something implying, you know, whatever. She gives an example of, oh, no, I'm doing magic and will of intent. And he says, is this Wiccan or Alexandrian? Which... That tells her that he knows what he's talking about, and so yeah. she kind of like you know smirks or whatever, and she's like, "Which one do you think it is?" And and he says, "Alexandria." And she's like, "Well, that's where you're wrong a second time today because he mentioned that he was doing something, and she said he was trespassing." So basically, you find out that he works for this hydroelectric company, and they sent him out basically to study the the, the river basin. Whatever people do studying water, but they're trying to, I guess, build like a hydroelectric plant, and he's just kind of studying the water of the area. Yeah, he he was there because because the the mayor wants to build the dam, and and he wants and he's there to inspect the water to make sure it's clean. But did okay. you pick up? Did you pick up on his uh, T-shirt? I tried to. I, I knew it had to be something because it said something on it, but I, I didn't pause it. What, what did it say? So it said Miskatonic University, and oh. that is uh, that is H.P. Lovecraft's fictional university he uses in all of his stories. So if you look at From Beyond, they're at Miskatonic U. Uh, Dagon, the he's wearing like a Miskatonic U t-shirt so that was like their cool little homage or nod which i always think is rad it's like just the fact that they have that in there is it's always very nice so yeah yeah, i was like okay cool you're jumping out the the get-go and i i picked up on the the arkham 
you know, yeah. a reference later, they they talk about, you know, the, the closest hospitals in Arkham. And I, I think they're technically like in Arkham County or something. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, that's another sort of fictional thing uh, that H.P. Lovecraft does. Everything, I think, always sort of takes place in Arkham. Yeah, and, and it's yeah, not it's a, not the same Arkham as Batman. <laughs> no, guys, don't 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 start going. Oh, like Arkham is it's such a ripoff. No, he wrote this shit way <laughs> before Batman. Yeah, Arkham Asylum in Batman is a reference to H.P. Lovecraft, not yes. the other way around. Exactly. So, but yeah, so yeah, she's uh, uh, Lavinia is a bit of a hippie. She's like a kid hippie. She's got some tattoos, uh, pentagram tattoos and stuff on her foot and everything. Yeah. And she rides a horse and, and whatnot. So she's got you know, purple hair. She's got, she got her purple hair, dips. of course. Oh, <laughs> uh, and uh, so all right, so. Basically, they part ways, and Lavinia rides her horse back home while he's down there. You know, But you can kind of get the sense that, all right, there's a little bit of chemistry between the two. Um, we get back to the alpaca farm, which is basically her house. It's this giant farmhouse uh, and on a beautiful plot of land, just a, an amazing-looking location. Oh, yeah, I just, gorgeous. I, yeah, every time I was just like, wow, that's gorgeous. Just to live there would be amazing, especially with all that mist and fog and whatnot. But uh, so Nicolas Cage is kind of like sipping his coffee or something on the porch, you know. And and he's like, hey, he's upset that she was out riding. He's like, oh, you didn't. You, why don't you have your helmet and your boots on? And, you know, she's like, ah, you know, I don't need them. You know, typical kid stuff, right? So the mom, Teresa, comes out and she's asking Lavinia if she's seen her brother, uh, Benny, yet. And he's, you know, he's. she tells him he's kind of like, oh, he's probably smoking weed with uh, with Ezra, you know, Chong or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Poor Benny. Benny, Benny kind of gets shat on this entire this entire movie, and he seems like a really good dude. Yeah, that, that guy is, plays a very similar character, similar role in every movie he's in, kind of like this sad sack where you're just like, you feel kind of bad for him. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, he has a few moments and he makes a really stupid fucking move later on. And I think it's because the thing isn't or whatever, like energy's in his head. But but uh, yeah, I like I feel I feel bad for him because he seems like a genuinely good person. He's just smoking weed and looking yeah. at black holes all the time. Yeah, just just trying to chill, man. You should trying to chill, chill baby, uh, <laughs> chill baby. So uh, Lavinia goes to put her uh, horse away in the barn and finds Benny there smoking weed, basically in the back. You know, they have a little bit of an exchange. Uh, she then sees her younger brother Jack looking into the well in the middle of the yard. So she goes over there and talks to him, and he talks. You know, he talks about like something about seeing stars in the water. He's basically looking down into the well. You know, and and, and the well's going to kind of be a thing that keeps coming back but right now there's nothing going on with it but he's kind of fascinated with it because his dad told him if he looks into the star you know in the well in the bottom you can see the stars and but Lavinia's like oh dad just did too much you know acid back in the hippie days and he's just a, a burnout well I think too uh, uh the dad had asked him to like get water from the well or and he's like well the bucket's not attached or the uh the, the rope was tied too tight or something like that he couldn't undo the the rope uh to get the bucket loose and okay I, and uh, that's what it was, but yeah. Okay, yeah. Jack, Jack. Um, Jack, Jack. Come on, Jack, Jack. So we go inside now, and uh, Nathan's making dinner. The Nathan is Nicholas Cage. Uh, is making dinner. What? Teresa's. What's ups- he making? What's he making? Uh, it's it's a it's a it's a French uh, dinner of duck. Cassoulet. 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 That was the first Nick Cage ism in the movie where he broke his kind of. Yeah, because up up until that point, he's very like like a sweet guy. 
and like kind of very typical stereotypical dad like oh yeah put your boots on next time when you go riding or whatever come on you crazy kids let's let's go inside and then you know what's for dinner tonight he's like but he even does a thing, <laughs> this thing with his hands where I'm just like, oh, yeah, here we go. It's fucking typical. <laughs> for me, I was like, for a split second, I'm like, okay, that's cheesy. He's breaking his fucking character. But then it totally makes sense as time goes on. I, I don't know. I, I felt like he was just hamming it up for his kids, you know? Yeah, like no, trying I loved to, it. Trying to make the kids laugh or whatever, you know? <laughs> uh, but we, we do find out that Teresa has some kind of high-end job she seems to be yeah she's like stockbroker or something yes like a stockbroker or something uh very seems to be very demanding uh if she's not available if she if she somehow i don't know cuts her fingers off and misses some calls uh one night then um you know apparently she's gonna lose those clients like immediately so i took it as it's it's a very demanding job where there's very little room for error in it and kind of adds to her overall stress but her office is upstairs in the attic and uh you know apparently she gets a kind of spotty uh internet signal occasionally and that will sort of come into play later but but right now it's really just to establish that she has a very high end job. And I, I guess probably she's probably the main breadwinner of the entire place. Spotty internet is definitely relatable. I think to most people nowadays. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Now that now they're all home using it. Uh, so she, she comes downstairs and eats, you know, uh, Nathan mentions that, uh, next year the alpacas will, will taste great, but like, like the meat wise, right. Cause they're kind of complaining about the food, but Lavinia's like, you don't eat alpacas, dad. Like, yeah. like you use them for their fur. He's like, why did she's like, why did you buy them in the first place? And he looks, he looks a little defeated and he kind of looks up and he's like, honey, alpacas are the animal of the future, you know? And it, he kind of said it like he was reciting sort of a line or something, you know, yeah. like that he just to kind of like tell himself. So you're, you're already getting the sense that maybe he's not the best farm owner, you know, and, and, and maybe doesn't exactly know what he's doing. But I did like that little scene because you could tell that Nathan, the character got hurt when Lavinia said, why did you buy him in the first place? And then she kind of felt bad about saying that immediately, you know, and they're just doing a good job establishing the family dynamic. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, you figure out in a little while why he feels the way he does, but yeah, in that moment, yeah, he's totally like, like that's what the guy who sold him the alpaca said, you know, this is the meat of the future. Yeah, exactly. He's he's just parroting what the salesman probably sold yeah. him on. Exactly. And I, I wonder again. I don't know if alpaca, if like if it was an alpaca farm in uh, in, in the H.P. Lovecraft uh, story, but uh, I'd, I'd be curious to see if it was. Um, the only other yeah. couple things that happen here is that. Uh, Teresa sends him down to the basement to go get a thing of wine just to kind of establish that there's a basement there that will come back later. So it's a nice little scene. It's probably the nicest scene the whole family has (laughs) the entire movie at this point. (laughs) Well, it's also to break the fact that uh, the kids outside of his oldest son don't want to eat the dinner. And so it's their excuse to like spit it out or yeah, or give it to the dog or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sam, Sammy. Um, He's a fucking cool dog, by the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. A beautiful dog. Holy shit. That dog was gorgeous. It's like a great actor, too. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, We go. So we kind of cut to another scene. It's outside nighttime. You can, you you know, you can tell the kids are doing dishes and Nathan and Teresa are outside drinking (laughs) wine and looking at the farm. And they're kind of like, you know, they they find out that it was we find out that it was Nathan's dad's farm. So he kind of inherited it. And, you know, she's. 
she's proud of him for for turning this farm around you know she she feels proud of him about it but i you can tell that that nathan still has his dad sort of nagging in his ear about stuff and these you can tell you start getting a sense that these characters are actually all kind of broken in some way and with teresa it's an actual physical thing because we find out here that you know Nathan starts getting a little frisky, and they, he mentioned it's been about six months. We start piecing together that she's getting over cancer, obviously, because Lavinia, you know, is doing that ritual to keep the mom cancer free. But, you know, we also, I think, get a sense that maybe she had a mastectomy because she mentions, you know, how can you be attracted to me? And then he says, oh, you know, I've always been a leg man, which I, I thought that was sweet of him, you know. And then yeah. she was like, well, what if I lose my legs? And he's like, well... Well, we'll just get a little kinky with it, but come on. Like, I liked all of this conversation. It felt, it felt very natural. It felt very loving and, and caring. Yeah. He's in, yeah. It, it set a great tone that they were clearly in love with each other and he still loved her very much. And that plays into later on in the movie, obviously. Yeah. And it's, I mean, this is all stuff that's, that helps to, to make you care about these characters because yeah. when the shit hits the fan, you care. If you didn't care oh, yeah. about them before that, you, you're not going to care when the shit hits the fan. So, no, I, honestly, no. I thought Richard Stanley did a great job of establishing a family that is likable. A family that that there's nothing – you know what I mean? Like like it's a family you'd want to know. They're, they're, they seem like a good family, but that's what makes everything that happens to them that much more tragic. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So, it's nighttime now, kind of cut to, like, the nighttime. Uh, uh, Nathan and Teresa are kind of, like, getting sort of ready to fool around in bed. We see Lavinia is sort of asleep in her bed. Uh, We see that Benny is kind of watching something on YouTube about, um, like, solar system stuff or whatever. But he, what you need to know is that he's awake right now. Um, And then Jack is, he's asleep in his bed as well. But Jack sort of wakes up, um, you know, cause things start sort of rumbling a little bit and the house starts shaking. So Jack kind of like wakes up and then we cut to like outside in the sky. We see like this purple meteor start like falling from the sky and it's, it's like, you know, far away, but it's basically coming right at you, baby. <laughs> you know, it's coming well, right from the old homestead. Yeah. The, that, that opening is beautiful because it's like this like purple ring. Mm-hmm. you know, horizon ring or whatever. And yeah, and then it's coming down gangbusters. It, it almost actually, I'm curious based on how, what happens at the very, very end. I wonder if this thing kind of came through a dimensional hole, like as opposed to physically flying through space, you know, it almost made me feel like it actually came through a dimensional hole from another dimension, which is very Lovecraftian. So, Everything sort of gets bathed in a purple light, and uh, as things are coming in, right, we go back to the house, and the house is sort of shaking. Everything's like purples everywhere. The weird thing is that Benny is sitting at his computer, but he's catatonic. Like, like yeah. he's his eyes are open, but like drool is coming out of his mouth. And yeah. you're like, okay, what what is that happening? And uh, the the purple meteor just basically hits the backyard. Nathan yeah. and Teresa are kind of like messing around, and and they fall off the bed. Jack is like screaming because he's sitting in the middle of the hallway, but like for some reason he gets the full brunt of the purple. And uh, they don't explain everything in this movie or how sort of the logic of how things work. I think you have to just go with the flow that this thing has sort of has has 
you, you know what I mean? Like, well, it's supernatural. It's yeah, supernatural. Okay. And you just, yeah, you just go with it. Something bizarre is happening. You don't right. need anything more than that. And I'm totally okay with all of that shit. Yeah. And, and, and so am I. And, and so am I. I'm just trying to like, I'm trying to explain it as, as we're, <laughs> it's going to be hard to explain some of the things that we're, we see in this movie because it's definitely a visually strong film. Yeah, I was thinking about that as you were, as you were, as I was watching it last night, uh, because oftentimes when there's very little dialogue or something visually going on, we'll just we'll just go over it briefly, and that may happen often in this episode, uh, because <laughs> because you can't describe it, but it hopefully will be just more reason to go out and watch the movie. Because even yeah. look, let's be honest, even if things, even if you've never seen this movie, and you don't necessarily mind spoilers. You're gonna. We're not. We can't do it justice. We can't do this yeah. movie justice on a yes. podcast. It, like, and yeah, yeah, I know what you're trying to say. Like, the, I, yeah, if you want to watch it, you've never seen it before. Great, but you're you're still gonna get more out of the movie when you watch it, even if you watch listen to this first. Yeah, this is not going to ruin your experience. In fact, it might heighten it a little bit. I, I just really do want to go back really quick to the to the fact that uh, I, I forgot I forgot to say this earlier when he's outside with Teresa. And he said, live in the dream. <laughs> I just had to say that. I loved that. I, That's an please, inside joke. And and please, Zach, feel free to, to jump in if I miss something. Guys, uh, this is our first time breaking down a movie that we've only seen once. So I tried my best. I have 10 pages of notes here. I definitely tried my best, but uh, I'm going to rely heavily on on zach filling in any kind of of gaps as as well as commentary of course we, we always want the commentary but he's going to help me out because it's it's not easy breaking down a movie you've only seen once you know <laughs> yeah no i and it, this is fresh i know and it took like three hours because i i, I have to pause and to what you were saying earlier about like there's crap that we're going to gloss over yes be just because it's hard to describe but everything in this movie has a purpose everything has a yes. piece is, is a piece of the puzzle, you know, down like, to ice cubes in a glass of bourbon. And I didn't even pick up on that until the second viewing. So I can only imagine oh. there's other things that, that I'm going to, I missed the first time because I, I got so much more out of my second viewing and I watched it the first time very intently. You know what I mean? Like I was paying yeah. attention, but I, I did not pick up on, on some things that I cool. did pick up on the second time. So that was, yeah, it, it definitely merits multiple viewings. Yeah, no, absolutely. So we, Jack is kind of Jack. Jack's kind of acting a little catatonic or something on on the couch. Um, he's he's kind of like in shock, right? And yeah. Nathan Nathan keeps talking about how he can just this smell and this this <laughs> sort of builds up over time. But it's he, right away he's like, man, there's a smell in the air. He can't can't get it out of his nose, and it will slowly drive him crazy. But it, it kind of like starts here. Um, is it, and is this when he grabs the glass of bourbon? Because because Jack because because Teresa's freaking out that Jack is yeah. in a comatose state, and what is what is. Nathan do but grabs a glass of bourbon and and it's the way he's drinking it too is just like it's like he's okay well yeah I'm just gonna have this glass of bourbon while my son sits here and shits himself and doesn't say anything yeah yeah because he said she Teresa even says like you're gonna drink at a time like this and he's like well I don't he's like I don't know what else I can do but I I feel like (laughs) You kind of get the indication that they might have had problems in the past with his drinking. Like, not yeah. enough for him to kind of quit drinking completely, but it seems like this might be a problem that that is, like, to their marriage consistently, basically. 
yeah, he he's not the he's not the dad of the year that he kind of acts like in the beginning of the movie. Right. Um, and we're only what, you know, 20 minutes into it or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but at this point, like and and I think, too, that's where I he there was like a, a tonal shift in his mood. And I was like, wait, is he just like overacting at this point or is there something else going on? And there's something else going on. I was going to say, I think it's the seeds of something oh. else happening. No, no, most definitely. Most definitely. Down to the point where, you know, even bringing up the fact that he's like kind of bitter about his father. Yeah, it seems like this thing kind of brings things out of you. Uh, yep. the, the, this color out of space sort of brings things out of you. We cut to the next day. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Jack wakes up, you know, kind of like comes out of his shock coma thing you know and uh he says he's not feeling good he's kind of got a headache and everything he just everyone's sort of messed up and disheveled at this point you know they're they're all they're all messed up <laughs> they're they're all they're all messed up as you say they're dead they're all messed up <laughs> that's the <laughs> yeah. uh the famous quote from the uh, night of the living dead uh which was an ad lib i think because he forgot his line <laughs> but um so the next day we're we're outside, you know, the sheriff and the mayor arrive at the house. So it's that it's that kind of a town where the mayor is like, you know, like people know the mayor on a personal uh, basis. And uh, Nathan is like, like he's talking about the smell like it's still fucking with him, you know, and, and he's coughing. He's, he's coughing he's like, like throw up. <laughs> it's it's hilarious. It really is, dude. It really, I mean, he's he's selling it, you know. He's selling it. Um, and then Ward shows up too, uh, jokingly blaming Lavinia, her, blaming her ritual for this, essentially. Uh, and then so like we're you know we're talking to everybody. Everyone's doing the whole poking the poking the meteorite basically and trying yeah. to figure out like what it is. Nicholas Cage is talking about what you know what happened. Um, uh, Ward mentions that it's it's a meteorite. You know, like that's pretty much what it is. Why it didn't get to, you know, break up in the atmosphere, he, he doesn't know, but that's essentially what it is. And uh, we get a little thing in the, the mayor mentions something about, like, oh, you know, you should have sold this land to me when you had the chance. So apparently she was gunning for it, too, but I guess it got, uh, you know, just he inherited it or something. But I guess she wanted it for, for some reason. We don't know. It never really kind of, like, comes up or anything. Well, I think uh, they, she wanted the whole area demolished for the dam okay yeah. good point yeah and and she um it's funny when they're doing that when they're poking the meteorite and like looking at the dirt and fingering the dirt and I'm like this shit could be radioactive and first of all like that was the first moment with the with the ward character where i was like dude if you're like a scientist wouldn't you have rubber gloves on right now like i don't know if i want to be touching that shit have you seen the blob have you seen what happens when you poke shit, it don't it don't end well for you. <laughs> that's that's a good point, buddy. That could have been the blob right there. Yeah, dude. Like uh, it was my that was one of the few moments where I was like, oh come on. But that that was you know it wasn't that big of a deal because there's a scene coming up soon <laughs> that made me laugh my ass off. So uh, oh, the alpaca milking scene. <laughs> <laughs> yes, with you know boobs, boobs. boobs. <laughs> So, uh, so we get, so, you know, and then, uh, the mayor kind of drops, um, Nick, uh, Nicholas Cage, um, Nathan 
asks uh, where the local hospital is, which I thought that was a little weird. He yeah. should know that. But uh, she says it's about an hour drive in Arkham at the Arkham Hospital. So I was like, okay, that was a little H.P. Lovecraft reference, you know. Yeah. And uh, so her and the, the sheriff kind of leave. There's really nothing else they can sort of do there. Nathan sends Lavinia back into the house, you know, because she was kind of flirting with Ward and he kind of picked up on it. He's like, you know, and she I think she's kind of young, even though she has a tattoo. So I'm guessing she's got to at least be 18. But he's uh, Nathan's being a little bit, you know, you know, being a dad. Right. And uh, so he sends her back into the house and he takes Ward and Benny go down to uh, into the alpaca place. So he's like, OK, I got to milk the alpacas. We have a funny little scene of him milking the alpacas. He's talking about how to do it and everything. And he's, I, mean, I love how he's like got that cup and he's like, want to sip to uh, to Ward? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he milks. OK, I have to just go back because he implies that his daughter is a whore because of the way she's dressed, because he's like, well, you are dre- you are. Uh, inviting uh, well the mom said that the mom when she goes inside yeah so when Lavinia goes inside the mom's like she could tell that that Ward was like she's that that Lavinia's into Ward and Lavinia's like well why and she's like oh honey you know you were practically throwing yourself at him like (laughs) like, what kind of signals are you sending with what you're wearing so of course the daughter storms off because you know daughter doesn't want to hear that the mom goes chasing after her she goes all angsty and like that was her first angsty moment where I'm like, oh, shit, she's a little she's a little fragile. And then, yeah, and then we flash to the the, the milking scene where they don't show like they don't go into graphic detail, but it's totally about, like it looks like he's jerking off into a bucket. <laughs> and even the way the milk looks, it just it looks like he just, you know, blew his load. And <laughs> and then he's like, want to sip? Want a sip of my spunk? And uh, <laughs> and then I love that word like. That's such, it's so smart too. He's like, no, I, I'm I'm lactose intolerant. So. Yeah, no, no, no. And then I love there's like that menacing pause, and then like you know Nathan's like more for me, and then just you know like starts Jesus. sucking it down. It's like oh my god, good lord, right. uh, oh god. And then uh, so Ward asks if there's anyone else on the property, and we find out that. Uh, there's a squatter named Ezra living on the property as well. So Benny takes Ward down to go see Ezra, Ezra being uh, Chong, uh, Tommy Chong's character. So he basically, he's like, he's like living off the grid. Essentially it's, it it seems like the house is close enough that you can sort of get there quickly, but it's kind of, you know, hidden in woods. So it's, it it seems to be fairly close to the, the homestead proper, even though they're, they're surrounded by what, like 12 miles of, of acreage or something of woods. But it seems like Ezra is relatively close. And honestly, how nice is it that, uh, that Nathan and his family just lets Ezra, you know, do, do his thing there, you know? He's, doesn't he have and he has video cameras set up and he's got everything. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, he's living off the grid and he seems like a cool dude, you know. Yeah, and Tommy hey, Chong seems, doesn't he have seems that, awesome. Yeah, he doesn't have he doesn't have that many scenes in the movie, but the scenes he does have, it's not it's not like p- played for laughs in a way. Like, but it is gross because he offers them, uh, you know, a cup this cup of Joe or something. He says cup of Joe or a cup of coffee. I forget, but he gives them this water. And the water's fucking brown. Yeah. And Ward's like, you know, uh, even Benny's like, what's the best what's the best water you can get or something like that. And I'm like, you don't fucking drink that. I'm yeah. sorry. 
Yeah, ben, Benny just straight up drank it. Ward's kind of like looking at it. He's like, well, it doesn't smell bad. He's like, it's he doesn't it doesn't smell brackish or whatever. Yeah. He's like, it's probably just rust or something. Um, but uh, yeah, he's, so he offers to, you know, test the water. There's a lot of stuff with water in this movie. Everything is kind of revolving around water here. Um, but, you know, Ezra doesn't seem to really care. He's like, sure, man, test the water if you want to. I'm not worried about it. But, you know, they, they kind of, like, they get along well. Like, Ezra gets al- seems to get along well with Benny, seems to get yeah. along pretty well with Ward right out of the way. And uh, even when he sees Ward, at first he's like, oh, the the surveyor, you know, the hydrologist or whatever. And Ward's like, well, we haven't met yet. And he's like, ah, the, this whole area is full of little birdies. You, they say a lot of things. You just got to know how to decode them. So they gave, like, they're trying to give him, like, a little bit of, like, mysticalness to him as the mystical character, right? Yeah. The, he's, he essentially is the knowledge character in this movie because everything he says uh, is correct. But, yeah. you know, you don't really, he's the, he's the quote-unquote crazy knowledge character. But uh, you guys all know filmmaking 101 especially like horror movie sci-fi filmmaking 101 you have to have a knowledge character and Ezra is the knowledge character here so a storm rolls in and it basically starts raining, you know, and, and Ward is kind of like sitting in there staring at the, the cup as, as rain's starting to come down. Um, we go back into the house, back into the, the, the Nathan's house, the, the farmhouse eventually, essentially. And, Lavinia is kind of like standing out in the rain yeah. and she's watching lightning just kind of like hit the, the meteor. It just like, it keeps striking it. It's like boom, awesome. boom, boom. And yeah, it's really cool. And it's just like the, the, the lightning's just pounding it, right? It just keeps hitting it. And Nathan sees this, you know, and he's like, okay, what's, what's going on here? And he kind of, kind of brings her back inside as, as it were. Um, we go, we cut now to, Ward's tent and apparently he he just set up a giant tent right like so he essentially he works out in the field he doesn't you know he he doesn't go out and then drive back and everything he essentially uh, I think stays out in the field for X amount of time and he runs all of his his tests sort of in the in that tent area so he's he's testing the water and you know he's like okay looking at it and everything and we're looking at the the test results we don't really know sort of what it means but you can tell that the character does and uh so he's like sitting outside his tent it's the the rain is over it's a beautiful night and all of a sudden like his cell phone rings and when he answers it it starts making like a weird noise again this is something that'll keep coming back into play obviously that's startling the the noise is all crazy and he thinks he hears something in the woods so he kind of gets up and, and starts like flashing his light in the woods looking around you see a a weird like color shape move through the air uh i thought it was like a, a person or a ghost but it's it's not you know just watching a second time you can tell it's not a person but it, it is me something, out it, it was very freaky it was a freaky scene it kind of like he's like what is that and then all of a sudden behind him his car starts up he's like yeah. whoa you know and and then he's that startles him he turns around and then the car you know i think he turns it off and then he's just kind of like sitting there like wondering what the fuck is going on right like holy shit so that was uh that was the end of that night that was a great scene because um great like kind of building of suspense and kind of i i love shock scenes or jump scenes you know jump scares and this was done in like kind of a old school way uh with car the car starting and like weird energy fusion things going on yeah it was it was 
I loved it. it. Scared the shit out of me. Yeah, me too. Uh, a very well-crafted scene. Agreed. So the next day, or it's uh, it's daytime back at the farmhouse, the meteor's gone. It's just uh, a hole in the ground. And, you know, they're all looking at it, wondering where the hell it went. And Nathan notices a weird purple flower growing nearby. And uh, then a news crew kind of shows up. So, you know, things are starting to get a little bit weird. I love that, I love that when, the, when the, flowers, the flower is beautiful, by the way. I fucking love that. Yes, yes. All so yes, that's going to be the beginning of this yeah visual thing of the of basically of the alien taking over. Um, it starts just it's changing the world around it essentially. And the irony is that the world it changes it to is beautiful. Like yeah. the colors are just gorgeous. The colors <laughs> out of space. The colors are just gorgeous. <laughs> well, is that is was there uh, is that the scene with the lizard too? Wasn't there this badass looking lizard on a rock? And it yep, didn't really, yep. it, there had no significance to it at all. Uh, I'm wondering if, like, Richard Stanley saw it and he's like, oh, we have to shoot that lizard, you know, just because it's so cool looking. I I got the sense that, that it was the latter. Like, he was like, oh, it's right there. Let's, let's you know, let's shoot it. But yeah. at the same time, that's also what gave me the sense of, man, this, this movie does not take place in New England like it's supposed to. Because you can totally tell that that's probably a, a Portugal uh, a lizard, you know? Yeah, never seen a newt like that before. Yeah. Then the news crew shows up, and uh, it's kind of like how the the scene ends. Because uh, it cuts to that night, and then Nathan is watching his his <laughs> interview on the news. And, oh, boy, did he just blow that interview. If there was – I love it because – Every time you see things in movies of someone doing an interview on TV, everything is going well. They yeah. chose to show a man who should not be ever in front of the the camera. <laughs> right? Yeah, he's, you know, from from looking thinking he looked disheveled to uh you know, she she the reporter straight up asks him if he drank anything and he's like, "Well, yeah, I I've been drinking. <laughs> yeah. drinking all he's night. Like, oh, yeah. He's like, oh, I like my bourbon. You know, I'm trying to do my Nicolas Cage, you know, whatever. <laughs> Dude, you sound no. like an alcoholic right now. You sound like a fucking alcoholic. I love it. I know. I know. When when you start, like, like waxing nostalgic about your bourbon, that's when you're an alcoholic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh God! But uh oh, but things are. This is when things are pretty much starting to go downhill for everybody. So, <laughs> um, so they're all kind of in the living room watching the TV. You know, they're kind of making fun of him. He's kind of upset, you know, and yelling out to his wife Teresa. She's who's this time making dinner. So she's in the kitchen actually making dinner, cutting up uh, carrots. But she's kind of just staring off into space. She's you're like, uh oh, something ain't right here. And, uh, you know, they kind of keep cutting back to her, her fingers, cutting up the, the carrots and everything, and her kind of, like, not even looking down, just zoning out into space. So Jack-Jack, little Jack, sweet little cute little Jack-Jack, he, uh, he goes to, you know, wants to go say hi to his mom, see what she's doing, and he comes up behind her, kind of tugs on her, and she cuts off her fucking fingers both the 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 index finger like the tip of the index finger and the tip of the the middle finger she doesn't even notice it jack jack goes running out and says you know mommy hurt herself and then everyone sort of looks and then the camera kind of like turns back and she kind of like lifts up her hand she's like dinner's ready and she's missing her the two fingers i was like oh my god that was great i loved that awesome yeah it was awesome like right when she sliced them off yeah it is so it was like 
uh, a knife cutting into warm butter. It just kind of just cut yeah. them off so easily. <laughs> it was like cutting through cake or something. Yeah, dude. Oh. <laughs> no bone whatsoever. That was, no, no bone. You know what? That was a very high-quality knife she was probably yes, using. Yes, exactly. That was a sharp, <laughs> high-quality knife. <laughs> Much to her chagrin. <laughs> Damn it. So, obviously, Nathan now has to take Teresa to the the hospital, which is like an hour away. It's it's the middle of the night, so you know she's got to. They've got to go do that. So they, he takes her there. Um, we kind of cut to the next day, and <laughs> Benny is kind of like taking the alpacas for a walk. Jack kind of wakes up. He was sleeping in his parents' bed. Uh, Lav- like it's everyone's doing their thing, right? Yeah. Lavinia yells for Dan for for um. Uh, Benny, I don't know why I wrote Denny for Benny, uh, for not feeding the alpacas, but he said he did. So, like, so this scene, like, so basically Lavinia comes outside, sees the alpacas sort of there, and then Benny sort of comes out behind her, and she's like, well, why, aren't, why, are they, why are they not in the barn? Why aren't they being fed? And he's like, but I, I did feed them. She doesn't believe him, but, you know, rewatching it, knowing that there's going to be, like, lost time stuff, again, I, Benny is the... He's the one that gets shat on the most in this movie. And, yeah. and the actor, just like you said earlier, does a great job of just conveying this, like, very... He's kind of, like, just a sweet, nice guy. You could tell that, like, you'd be friends with him in high school. Like, there's no... He doesn't seem to have any kind of, like, mean streak to him. And he kind of lets his sister sort of push him around a little bit. It was she... is He's the older brother to her, right? I think I... Yeah, because because uh, when when... When Nathan and Teresa leave and Nathan's like, you're the man of the house now, you know, to Benny, implying that he's the oldest. Right. And and Benny's always kind of like, oh, OK, I guess. And it, I feel like he doesn't really play it as a as a stoner. He plays no. it just more of like kind of like a just an unsure kid, you know? Yeah. Yep. And I, I loved it. I, th- I think he does a good job. And I, I just I really enjoy the relationships between the characters that they that they create. And I, I think the movie works because of all these interactions between the characters. Yeah, agreed. So now we see Jack sort of sitting on the like on the hill looking over at the well and he, he's kind of whistling. But we're getting a sense that maybe he's a little things are a little bit off with him. Lavinia sits down next to him and she's asked, like, what do you, you know? What are you whistling at? And he says that the man in the well is talking to him. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, OK. Uh, okay. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> and man, we've all seen enough horror movies to know that, like, you know, if, if a little kid tells you that the man in the closet is talking to you or the man in the well, you know that it's. There's some sort of ghost scenario happening. Yeah, fuck that. Seriously. So, seriously, fuck that. <laughs> um, but, uh, so she's like, okay, well, you know, she doesn't really believe him, but she she gets up to go back into the house, and she sort of stops in her place because, well, first you hear Jack whistle, and then she hears the high-pitched whistle coming out of the well, and she's like kind of like, you know, a little bit startled by it, a little bit, you know, taken aback by it. But she does still go inside, you know, and she's kind of like, oh, you know, you could tell that it it, it affected her a little bit. Yeah. And uh, inside the, the phone rings and she picks it up in the same weird ass sound that was that was on the other. What was the other phone thing we heard with? The, oh, it was on uh, Ward's on Ward's cell phone. It's like this yep. distorted. Someone's yelling. It's you know, it's all kind of like weird sounds and everything. And uh, but she. She thinks it's her dad. I mean, you, you see the name come up, you know, so she knows his dad. She picks it up and it's got all these weird noises. And then it cuts to Nathan in the hospital. And, you know, he's looking at his phone like you know, he hears noises, too. He's like, what the hell? So 
you know that like basically something's wrong. But there there is this subtle there's this subtle moment though at that same time where you can hear it sounds like Nicolas Cage is screaming at Lavinia. Yeah, yeah. And every time they do the thing with the phone, it sounds like someone and it's it sounds like some someone in the family is like yeah. under extreme duress. And yes. you know, I, I don't know if it's like if the phone is like channeling your inner fears or something, but you know, there this movie has all these little things that you don't really quite know what they mean, but at the end of the day, they add to this whole weird atmosphere, but you never get any explanation. Like, you know, like the phone isn't like the creature trying to communicate or anything. It's no. just something weird that happens, and you kind of have to be like, okay, that's just a, an unexplainable weird thing, but you know it has something to do with the color out of space. Ooh. Oh. Oh. Nice. <laughs> all right. All right. Um... So, all right. So, back outside, Jack, uh, he keeps drawing something weird, you know, uh, like some kind of creaturey thing. It doesn't really, you don't really know what it is, but he, he uses a lot of purple and blue crayons to, to make it happen. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's, it's, uh, there is a theme with the color. <laughs> Even though early on, I, we kind of glossed over it, but when the, when the, the sheriff and everybody sort of first got there, Nicolas Cage described the color. He's like, ah, oh, it was like, it was like a, a pink or something. He's like, oh, well, actually, I don't really know what color that was. You know, and I was like, huh, that's hard because, you know, as someone who's worked in Photoshop, as someone who's, you know, don't all, I, like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looks like a color. And I get it when you're writing a book, you're like, you're saying it's a color that no one's ever seen before. But the truth of the matter is, it's just purple. <laughs> it's just like, I know, neon I mean, purple. yeah, I, I get it. I get he's trying to, he is trying to build this, like, Other illusion worldly. that there's yeah. something odd about it. But yeah, I'm like, it's 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 fucking fuchsia then. <laughs> yeah, but I mean basically it's what it is. There yeah. is a word for it, Nathan. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um but uh so so Jack kinda like walks down to the well, but I like how here you start seeing in the background on the trees these blue vines are kind of like starting to grow. And there's I, I love movies that start putting these subtle things in the background that kind yeah. of start creep they like they get closer and closer to sort of the foreground and this movie just does a, a bang up job of that of uh, there's all kinds of things happening in the background um so we get to the, he gets to the well and he looks down and he sees like something growing on on like the inside of the well wall it's like a purple egg and then that egg hatches and like this praying mantis thing comes out and it's like it's purple it's, it's it's the fuchsia color of everything else. Yeah. But you, so you can tell it's alien, but it does look like sort of like a praying mantis, but, you know, a little bit different. And it kind of like flies out, kind of looks at, you know, Jack and then sort of just flies away off into the off into the woods. It's got these weird like um, entrail tentacles that come out of its mouth, though, that are really mm -hmm. creepy. I love that. I liked it. I, I did, too. I thought it was a really cool looking creature thing. Yeah. So inside... Lavinia is doing the dishes from the night before, like like the the, the knife with the blood on it. And I know, I like, like the... <laughs> dude, fucking, you let that knife sit there with the blood overnight. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess I guess, I guess you got to think like you left your kids in charge. Kids are going to procrastinate till the next true, day. True. Right. Um, but I, I do like how she was like, okay, don't throw up. Don't throw up. And I was like, yeah, yeah that's your mom's blood and probably finger particles on there. Uh, I would throw yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Seriously. So, uh, but they, 
this scene sort of starts and it's important. This scene starts with a shot of the clock and it's like, I think it's like three fifteen or something like that. But, yeah. but basically you get a, you get a time establishment and, uh, and also the TV sort of on too. So when she's doing this, she's kind of doing the dishes. The, the sink is running. The, the faucet is running. She's doing the dishes. And all of a sudden behind Lavinia is like, she's basically bathed in a purple light, right? Like it just kind of like the TV turns purple and then it just like the whole place just turns into purple. And then we, we kind of cut back to the same scene and the water is kind of running and we see that like they, they like they cut, cut back to the clock too. And now it's like five forty five. So we get a sense that time has passed. And basically she's just standing at the sink, staring straight ahead with the water overflowing out of the sink because it's basically been running for about an hour and a half, you know? Uh her phone rings and she again hears the the, the noises and the screams, and because of that, she kind of like it causes her to just run run into the bathroom and throw up. And I do like that they start messing with um, uh, lost time here because that is very much... Uh, an alien abduction trope is the the concept of of having lost time where you just all of a sudden blink and it's been three hours and you have no recollection of where that yeah, time Yeah, I love went. that. I love that. Yeah, it's freaky as hell, you know? And it's like, it's like come on, uh, color out of space. Why'd you have to do it when I was running the water, you know? You could have done it like five minutes earlier. Now we don't have to have to stand here in flooded, a flooded kitchen essentially, you know? Yeah, flooded <laughs> with blood because there's blood yeah. everywhere. <laughs> I know. A bloody flood. Um, so Ward comes over back to the farm to sort of check on them and, you know, knocks on the door and Lavinia opens the door and boy, does she just look terrible. She just, she looks sick. You can tell she's sick and she just fucked up. Yeah. Like she just threw up (laughs) (laughs) as she's like literally wiping the vomit off of her mouth. Um, he tells her (laughs) that the water's hot. Yeah, no, no, no. I think he's still into her though. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. He's young and horny, so um, he wants that he wants that young white trash. <laughs> Sorry. Just kidding. He tells her that the water is contaminated and uh clearly she knows because she runs away puking. So he's like, Okay, <laughs> yeah. all right. And uh he just kinda's of like, All right, well I guess that's that and uh <laughs> He's like he's leaving and he sees Jack in the yard standing there and he says he's uh playing with his friends but he's clearly alone, so Ward kind of gives him that look like, okie dokie, you know? <laughs> yeah, part of me was like, that that's what kids do, imaginary friend, no big deal. Mm-hmm. But then it's a little more realistic than that, though. <laughs> yeah, because he kind of giggles, you know? Like, as he's walking away, Ward sort of looks back and is like, ooh, that's freaky. <laughs> Uh, oh, so but basically Ward is going to go and uh, and check on Ezra and he finds the door sort of open. He kind of, you know, peeks in and uh, he finds Ezra on the floor listening with his headphones and a recording device listening to the ground, essentially. Yeah. And they have a conversation about like the aliens, man. It's like they're down there underground and what's out there is now in here. And it's it's all very like metaphysical and and you know it's again he's the knowledge character you don't quite know what he's referring to but you know on a second viewing he's correct about everything and it kind of gets the sense that 
the creature's kind of messing with the DNA of things. But like when he says what's out there is now in here and what's in here is now out there, it's very um, – have you seen Annihilation, Zach? Um, I it, Again, that's on my queue. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, it's I, I kind of get the sense watching this that maybe Annihilation borrowed some stuff from this short story because um, there's some stuff about yeah it's just like DNA getting scrambled you know all this kind of stuff but um it, it basically Ezra's telling him that things are bad right now right like things are happening um, Ezra notices that that I'm sorry. Ward notices that Ezra's cat's missing and he's yeah. like, Hey man, if I see your cat, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll grab her for you or whatever. And, and Ezra's like, well, you may see her, but you're not going to recognize her. And again, he's just, he's got knowledge that you don't really know where he got the knowledge from, but he's a hundred percent correct because later we do see, um, the cat. And by the way, <laughs> the cat's name is G spot, which is a funny name. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, she, the pussy is G spot, uh, and 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 you know it's funny that you bring up Annihilation because just thinking about that movie a little bit, their use of color and imagery, kind of similar in a way. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, this is this is very this is very Annihilation adjacent. I'd say yeah, they cool. they they'd fit very well next to each other. And whenever you see Annihilation, you'll you'll know even. Even at like past just a visual aesthetic, what I mean by that. Yeah, no, I I, wa- I really want to check it out. It's fun. It's it's good. I really enjoyed it. It's a it's a bit of a slow burn though, um, which I don't mind. I don't mind I don't slow mind. sci-fi at mind. all. Yeah. All right. So that's uh pretty much ends that scene with with Ezra. You know, basically Ward is at this point okay. He's starting to be like something's not right here. He doesn't know what it is, but he thinks something ain't right. And he probably thinks that like the water's poisoning these people and they're all going crazy from it. Yeah. There was like a, I think cabin fever used that same thing. The, the water made people batshit crazy in that. And, uh, I think, I think it did anyways. Um, it reminded me of that. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Uh, ca- yeah. Cabin fever had a, had another water connection. Yeah, definitely. And so, we're basically we cut now to Nathan and Teresa driving home. You know, she's you know, her hands bandaged up. Of course, you know, she's talking about how foolish she was. They're kind of like doing their just talking and stuff. And uh, as they're driving, this alien monstrous looking cat jumps out in front of them. You know, it's it's clearly fully CGI because it it moves in a way that you know a cat can't move but that scene that scared me when he when that cat jumped out i enjoyed that little jump scare yeah i slowed it down i paused it because i wanted to see what it it looked really really fucking cool yeah yeah it did it did look really freaking cool i liked it a lot i like all the the effects in this film i like what they do with like all the creature stuff here yeah they the practical and then the cgi was it was a nice marriage of the two I am always a fan of you You do the bulk of it practically, and then you just kind of, you know, you, you, you fix the seams with the CGI. You know, yes. you, you, that's, that's how I think it's a perfect marriage like that. And this movie is a perfect example of merging CGI with, with practical effects, it's, especially after watching, you know, the, the behind the scenes stuff. So there there are a lot of practical effects in this movie, but most of them have like a layer of CGI on top of them. Yeah. 
Yeah. So Teresa tries to call the house, and then we cut to the house, and we see Lavinia's phone ringing on the table. Outside, Jack is kind of staring at the well with his dog, um, the Sam, the dog next to him that we both love and wish that we had. <laughs> um, right. All of a sudden, right? Oh God, that was a, God, a beautiful dog. Again, beautiful dog. Beautiful dog. Um, oh. Beautiful dog. Come on. Come on. Uh, God, all of a sudden, a, a, a purple light kind of like begins shining from from like that general vicinity area uh the dog kind of runs towards it as dogs are wont to do you know uh barking and, and doing things but it doesn't sound like the dog uh, uh does so well when when he gets into wherever he's going no I, it sounds like it, it's going to protect jack because jack is tripping and the dog is trying to get his attention like you know what are you doing yeah. and jack is still kind of in a trance and the dog seems to go off to pro- to protect like loyal dogs do and unfortunately you yeah you sound like it sounds like he got killed yeah it's it yes it sounds like he does not fare well against whatever he went up against no <clears throat> um upstairs lavinia's in her bed with her like her headphones on but through the headphones she can hear the high-pitched sort of like whistling and she's like, yeah. okay, so she goes to investigate. She goes down to, to Benny's room, and Benny's not there. She kind of looks at, again, this, this picture of the, the computer screen, but then it kind of goes purple. She sort of closes her eyes, and then it kind of, like, unscrambles, goes back to normal. Benny comes up behind her, and he's like, uh, I was outside, and, and now, you know, it was dark out. So he's talking about losing time, too. So now you know that both of them are losing time, but then basically at sort of at the same time, they say, hey, they realize they don't know where Jack is. They're like, wait, what's where's Jack at, you know? Yeah. And, and they kind of, like, look down the stairs and outside. Um, outside, basically, Jack's standing in the, in the yard area and the sort of the driveway area, and Nathan and Teresa drive up to the house, and they see Jack outside. Uh, Lavinia and, and Benny run outside, and then, like, Nathan, like, lays into him, like, immediately, you know? And... Okay, you know, I get it. His youngest son's outside when he sh- they should be watched by the kids. He clearly probably hasn't slept all night. He's obviously upset, but he definitely sort of unjustly lays into them. And this is, you know, an indication that things are starting to become unraveled, essentially. Well, I, I wrote down a couple quotes because uh, it was when he goes off. It is fucking hilarious because he's like, do you have any idea how much they cost? They're alpacas. Yeah. Alpacas. Alpaca, yeah. So, so he's also upset that the alpacas are also out of the barn, that uh, uh, Benny didn't put them away, you know, like he, Benny thought he did, you know, like, yeah. so it's just, it's, it's all, it's one of those things where, yeah, like, the dad's not going to believe the kids, even though the kids are, you know, not lying to him. But, uh, yeah, he's like, he's like, do you know how much they cost? They're alpacas. Like, that's his supposed whole, to mean whole, something. And the way he talks at this point, too, because clearly now he's kind of, like, under some sort of spell, I think, I think a little bit of it. Because his his tone turns into this kind of thing where he starts talking, like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, so... I picked up on that too, and and I, I here's what I here was my takeaway because they don't kind of explain it, but whenever he kind of freaks out, he yeah. goes into this voice, yeah. and I almost took it like, especially later when kind of all the characters were inside of him at the very very end, yeah. I almost was wondering if he was kind of like 
tuning wavelengths with with basically with Lavinia. Basically, he was channeling Lavinia back towards her. Do you, do you know what I mean? I do. I, I mean, like, I thought I thought it was his dad. I thought it was okay. he was talking like his dad. Okay, uh, because that his, maybe you know, makes his, more sense. His dad was a bourbon man, right? He was drinking like his dad. I for me, that's how I took it. Like he was he was channeling his father. That's the way his father used to talk to him because because suddenly he would get like really beat up about the fact that he laid into his kids and like, whoa, why did I talk that like that? You know? Yeah, yeah. Like a a shining kind of thing, you know? Right. Yes. Yes. Good. Good. Good one, buddy. This is very much has shades of shining. Like yeah. like the dad's going crazy uh, essentially. All right, so now Nathan takes the alpacas into the barn. He he, you know, he's like, oh, "I'll do it myself," type of thing, you know. Yeah. And um, so he just goes down there, and I like like Lavinia's like, "Should we warn Dad?" And Benny's like, "About what? Like, what can you warn him about now? Like, yeah, that things are weird. Like, you you, you can't quantify it. You can't, you know, you know what I mean? Um, what can you really do? But here here's the thing that that kind of. So so he goes down there to, to, to take care of the alpacas, and he seems very agitated, and he, he kind of – this is when he yells at Lavinia. Like he's like – he's like, just fuck off then. And but I swear <laughs> yeah. to God, I swear to God he sounded like – like I, I felt like he was channeling like a teenage girl in this part. And I know it makes more sense that he's channeling his dad, but it felt to me – like he was acting like a teenage girl in this little exchange, and yeah, I if could that, see that to me, and it, to me, if that were the case, I was like, okay, it's basically knowing that in a little bit, like it fuses things. So I was like, maybe you know, even though they're not physically fused, like he's picking up on her personality traits. Yeah, Do you, you know what I mean. That makes sense. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. That makes sense. But what you're saying makes sense, too. So, hey, maybe both voices are bouncing around inside his head. And you know what I mean? Like, and we're just kind of getting both of them and we don't know which is which. Yeah, no, that's true. Regardless, he's becoming unraveled. <laughs> that's that's the, the takeaway. Just get the fuck out of here. Yeah, just get the fuck out of here. And I, I mean, I loved it. I thought it was great. Oh, I thought it was great, too. <laughs> Classic Cage. That was at that point when, when Femme French goes, she's like, what, what, who chose this movie? I said Corey did. She's like, oh, okay. I can see why. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love that people know which ones are my movies and which <laughs> ones are your movies. <laughs> All right. So inside, Nathan kind of storms in. He he sort of realizes what he did. He was kind of like a dick and, you know, and Teresa's kind of like, ah, oh, girls, you know, like, you know, she's just, she's incorrigible at this point. Like, there's nothing you can do, basically. Yeah. And uh, so he, he kind of goes into the shower and he's taking a shower and he realizes that the, the, the drain on the ground is kind of like getting backed up. So he sees this little... It looks like a, a, a bar of soap, but it's kind of translucent and it's circular, blocking the the drain in the middle. So he picks it up, and you can tell it's kind of like gelatinous, you know. Ugh, yeah. And he's holding it in his hand, and it all of a sudden just like instantly like grows tentacles around his hand, and he screams and he drops it, and then it kind of like it goes through the the grates in the ground. But he's like ah, screaming, like trying to wipe it off his hands, and oh god, I that was honestly out of the entire movie and what happens later this was probably the part that freaked me out the most man just yeah. touching something that oh god yeah, that you're yeah, not that supposed was, to touch you know 
That was fucking disturbing. I, I also want to back up a little bit and, and point out the disturbing shower that he was in. Yeah. Uh, because it was, I, I'm like, are those tiles made out of plastic? Are they actually even cemented into the wall? Uh, there's no grout. It, it, it looks like a walk-in shower. It reminded me a little bit of his, of the hardware shower that, uh, that the chick takes in, in, in yeah. hardware. And I'm like, yeah. Does Richard Stanley have a fascination with gross-looking showers? Because that shower looked disgusting too. I was like, "This is dis- this disturbing." And then, yeah, when he picked up that big gelatinous thing, uh, it, it the the effect is badass when it, the tentacles come out because you're totally freaked out by it. But just had to point out the fact that the shower is really bizarre looking. I I agree with you because the instant he goes in there, it felt out of place for the entire movie. You know, like it just, it didn't feel like it fit the house. It was like too overly modern looking or something. I I don't know what the design choice was supposed to be, but it's like very dark and very like modern-y or something. Basically it's, it's the opposite of cozy, which is what the rest of the house sort of feels like. So yeah, it was kind of like a weird, it didn't fit. I didn't think the house and I'm, no. I'm with you on that. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the tentacle stuff that just, Oh, that irked me so much, freaked me out. Um, he kind of, kind of goes back into the, the, the bedroom. Uh, Jack is in bed with Teresa. They're kind of like, you know, she's comforting him and, um, he's, he, he's complaining about the smell. He can still smell the smell. He's like smelling all of his clothes. <laughs> he's like saying like how he needs to clean the shower. Cause there's something growing in there. He's just, he's basically just losing his mind. He's just yelling. She's yeah. getting upset. And, and you know, like everyone's getting upset. He's, he's getting upset about uh, the dog, Sam. They, they, at this point, they don't know where Sam is. He's saying that Sam's dead. The kid, you know, of course the mom's trying to cover the kid's ears and, like he's, Sam's not dead, you a hole. Stop saying that, basically. Yeah, you know, right. and he's just he's he's losing it. He's losing control of, of 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 everything. Essentially, everything is basically starting to go to shit at this point. The next day, he's out in the yard. Kind of like, I think he's listening to a podcast, but he's listening to some kind of like like gardening self help type of thing. I guess and he's yeah. out. Yeah, and he's out in the garden, like picking picking fruits and whatnot, and he's having a, a jolly old time, but in a in a crazy way, <laughs> yeah, right? in a really like, weird Nicolas Cage way. Yeah, like you can tell the characters becoming unhinged, and we should note that he's now scratching a rash that he has on his arms yes. uh, and it's it started like it started you know a while ago you know him just kind of barely scratching it it's another thing that's kind of building up over time kind of like in the background you can see all the, the beautiful flowers are growing you know, he doesn't seem to notice it but you know around him is just blooming with life and uh, he does say that you know everything's sort of blooming early so he's like okay and he goes to you know pick all the plants in there or not plants but the fruits and whatnot and of course they're like they're perfect they're like they're huge tomatoes perfectly red they just they look amazing and you would think that they smell that they taste amazing but you know we'll find out whether or not they do it's really weird though because it's so over the top it looks like a willy wonka garden and I'm like, he's not phased by this at all. Well, no, he's not because he's under the he's already under the spell. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like you would say yeah. anyone would be like, oh, that's you know, why, why don't you notice that? But yeah, at this point, I, I, he's I think he's he's getting there. Like he's gone. Yeah. Basically, he's he's gone uh, or he's he's almost out the door, <laughs> essentially. And uh, so he brings the 
the fruit inside to kind of wash it off and everything. And then we kind of cut to upstairs. Teresa's trying to talk on the phone to her clients and she keeps getting cut off because of the, the router or whatever. She keeps saying, fix the router to, to Nathan. And uh, so she storms downstairs. She's like, I told you to fix the router. I'm hemorrhaging clients, this and that. And she is just, she's going full on like psycho, right? She's got the veins and everything. She's going psycho. His reaction, his way he's eating these tomatoes. Was... <laughs> yeah, well, he so he basically, he starts chomping on these tomatoes and <laughs> something like, no, no, they all, and they all taste, to him, no! they all taste terrible. And yeah. he's just, he's like, no, he's like freaking out, right? I did what they told me. Yeah, I did everything. I did everything right. <laughs> the, and the irony is that they probably taste fine. It's him. Yes. But, of course, he's getting an earful from Teresa, and, and then he's, like, fucking throwing the fruit into the wastebasket. He's doing the Nicolas Cage thing where he's, like, slam dunking it. You yeah, know, slam it's, dunking. It's... <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote, parents losing their shit. That slam dunk was phenomenal. Yes, yeah, that slam dunk is always phenomenal. I love it when anyone is pissed and they do a slam dunk with something <laughs> and into the trash can, you know? Uh, so... Nathan then goes and pours himself um, a drink over some ice. And this is where you see that the ice cubes have that purple in them. So I missed it the first time uh, you picked up on it. But, uh, yeah, there's like because obviously the ice cubes are made from the, the tap water. Um, it's It's got this little bit of that fuchsia hue to it. Yes. So he's he's drinking alien, basically. <laughs> Uh, so nighttime uh, cut to the nighttime Uh, Jack is sleeping in bed with Teresa his mom and he kind of wakes up Uh, Lavinia is kind of I couldn't tell if she was getting ready to run away she was kind of like packing a bag but she was also like putting like this like Necronomicon book in it and stuff like it's all just I mean shout out to the the Necronomicon well I mean well yeah I mean that's a real book like no 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 I know know that yeah I was going to say, I know that Evil Dead kind of turned it into a thing, but it is like an actual real book that has been reprinted that you can go and, and, and buy. Oh, yeah. No, no. I was, I'm just saying, like, it's it was so cool that, she, you know, she's like got her Necronomicon and she's getting ready to do some sort of, you know, some some sort of magic going on there. I, I yeah. just want to go back a little bit when uh, when Nick Cage was picking at his skin or whatever, the barnacle looking skin when he's after he drinks his drink. And I just wrote, you know, got lotion like he needs lotion. Well, well, what he does is he sticks his fingers in the bourbon and then rubs the bourbon on his skin. And I was like, well, that's going to just dry it out more. I know, dude. Like, (laughs) it's really weird. Choice. It's really weird. Yeah. Choice. Um, (laughs) So she's getting ready to do something. Lavinia. She's like she's prepping for something. You don't know what yet, but she's prepping for something. Uh, Downstairs, Nathan is kind of like asleep in front of the tv but the tv's all like weird and everything uh jack kind of walks downstairs sees his dad sitting there and uh he goes outside and sits with benny on the front step inside lavinia is like you see she's doing a magical magical ritual and it's a blood ritual so she's essentially carving like runes into her hand and everything oh i mean this fucking box cutter dude yeah it's it's hardcore. Yeah, dude. This is this is 
I would say this is desperation magic right here. Like <laughs> this is when you're you're just trying to do the strongest magic you can possibly do. Like I said earlier, this is like a ten, right? And it's all still within the same wheelhouse of what I do, but yeah. I don't even get close to this, you know. Um, but the idea is is that the letting of the blood is just a way to 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 make it more significant to to basically say that I'm willing to do whatever it takes and I'm not just saying that to the audience I'm saying it that's what you, as a magical ritual that's what you're sort of telling the powers that be whatever you want to believe that is or on the flip side of that coin it's also a way for you to just to believe even stronger that it's going to work it was fucking disgusting <laughs> <laughs> Uh, whether whether it, whether it works or not she's carving into herself it's so it's so intense it was like it was brutal it was brutal yeah, yeah it is it is it reminded me of uh you know shout out to our prison episode when uh the the voodoo inmate mm. is carving into his chest and you're just like oh mm-hmm. my god this is really painful Mm. Shout shout out to our prison episode. Also, uh, I just watched uh, Fletch last night and oh, uh, <laughs> Gummy Gummy F- from uh, from F prison. Fletch. F for Fletch. <laughs> What's the F stand for? Fletch. Oh God, I love that movie. Doctor. Two Rosen words Peters. I enjoy: Provo and Utah. <laughs> oh, what kind of name is Poon? <laughs> Comanche Indian. Oh God! Oh man! I we may have to do Fletch one day, guys. I know it's PG thirteen, but yeah, PG thirteen's fine. It's great. Fletch is fucking great. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays, and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. What's up, guys? I'm Tess. And I'm Corey. And we are the ongoing comic book discussion podcast, the place where one guy and one gal dive into the world of comic books one adventure at a time. That's right. You can find us every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or any of your favorite podcatchers. So come check out OCD Podcasts, where comic books are cool. Cool. Hey, this is Brent. And I'm Eric. And we are part of the Friday Five Podcast. Yes, sir. We cover everything from the 80s to today. We absolutely do. You can find us every other Friday 
on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. Like any. iTunes? <laughs> like Stitcher. Oh, man. This Maybe a little Spotify. Hey, and also check us out on Instagram. Absolutely. So come hang out. I think you'll have a lot of fun, and we will see you there. Yeah, bring your proton pack and your ecto cooler. And maybe some McNugget buddies. And now, back to the show. Outside, uh, basically Jack and, and Benny, uh, they, they hear something coming out of the barn, you know. Uh, so they kind of walk down there to investigate. Uh, Teresa wakes up and she's like, you know, she's looking around. She doesn't know where Jack is. And she goes outside to see them sort of like walk away from her. Um, in the in the barn, Benny and Jack are investigating the alpacas. And we don't know what they see, but whatever they see is horrific because <laughs> you can just tell from the looks on their face and uh all of a sudden though like so you're you're fa- the camera's facing them so they're kind of looking at the camera and it's like we are the the viewpoint of whatever it is they are looking at all of a sudden we the viewer you know starts emanating this bright light which is towards them so that makes them basically turn around and run and so basically the light starts following them and it's almost like ethereal sort of tentacle light you know i mean it's not exactly tentacles but the light sort of creates sort of tentacles benny and jack are running but like of course i mean jack's jack's small and and benny should have picked him up you know because he can't kind of keep up and uh benny sort of like outruns jack but I think Jack would have been fine had it not been for Teresa kind of running in and intercepting Jack. And as she's like holding them on the ground, they both get just nailed with this ethereal alien light. And just, just I mean, Ugh. it's just all consuming, right? Yeah. You don't know exactly what's going to happen. Spoiler alert, it's not going to be good. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know, yeah. So... Right afterwards, Nathan, you know, because he's woken up by this, he comes outside and he sees Jack and Teresa on the ground. But, like, we don't see what he's seen. They do a great job of, like, you know, Richard Stanley does a great job of doing only, like, super close-ups on things. So you don't really get a sense of of the whole. But um, judging by the look on both Benny and Nathan's face, it is horrific. Yep. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about this, what's coming up, because I did not see the movie going in this direction. So, uh, inside the living room, Teresa and Jack are on the couch, but you don't really get to see sort of what they look like, I guess. Um, Benny is trying to call the police, but he can't get through. So, you know, again, it's all adding to the fact of like, they're sort of stuck there, right? Like they they keep doing all these things because, you know, you're making a movie that was basically written in 1913 or something, you know, like a long time ago. And now you're trying to make it so that their cell phones don't work. So they're still stuck in this same predicament. Um, Lavinia comes downstairs. She's like covered in blood and she, she's because she carved herself up, including and, her fucking forehead, dude. She's got yeah, a she, full on diamond on her forehead. Rune. Yeah, it's it's like a runic symbol that she put on her like right in her in her third eye area right in the middle. Yeah. I mean, all of this stuff is is magical symbols. Uh, they all have meanings to them and, and various meanings and whatnot. And, and Richard Stanley, I'm very sure knew exactly, you know, what he was doing and, oh, yeah. and what they meant and everything. Um, and so 
we get Lavinia through sort of her point of view, get to see what Jack and Teresa have become on the couch and they are fused together. <laughs> Jack is inside of her. His, his head is kind of sticking out of her back. His arms are sticking out of her front. They are fused together like a, a just unlike anything I've ever seen before. And they're both alive, which is fucking horrible. And they're both clearly, I mean, they're not able to talk. They're just moaning and screaming, and it is disturbing. Yeah, it reminded me of, uh, well, first of all, it reminded me of the Bat Goblin in Phantasm 2. And then Mm -hmm. it reminded me of something from, like, from beyond uh, uh, society, when when the shunting, when everyone's kind of, like, fused Mm -hmm. together and, and... all that shit all wrapped up into one. And yeah, it was disturbing as fuck. I mean, like they, but what happens next was kind of odd to me. We'll get, I'll let you explain. I mean, I, I, I think it just keeps getting more and more disturbing from here. Yeah, but I yeah. do want to. I do want to ask really quick because I know that your wife, uh, you, uh, listeners, might have heard you refer to her as Femme French earlier. That's kind of uh, your your pet nickname for her. Um, but your your wife is very not into horror movies and no, she, she can't you, stand horror i know and you asked me go will this one be okay for her to watch and i was like oh no 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 and you're like well she already said yes to it. and i'm like oh god so what did she think about this well i have to say first of all she's super supportive and she's like oh yeah she's like i said uh I said, you know, wait, wait, can I, can I just, can I just say, I didn't mean, I wasn't trying to bad, bad mouth her. At oh all. no, no, you're not. For you're that not to come at all. Across. She's, she's very supportive. You're not at all. And, and while, while this, you know, while this, while we're recording this podcast, we are in the middle of a fucking pandemic. So it's very interesting now. So you got to make some, uh, you know, some, uh, some, some concessions. And one of the concessions was when I watch these movies, I always watch them typically on my own or I watch them with Diallo and, and I said, look, we got to watch this movie uh, tomorrow night, you know, in, in preparation. She's like, oh, yeah. OK, totally. I'm, I'm down to watch it. I said, well, I have to tell I have to warn you, it's it's going to be pretty brutal. She's like, again, she's like, who chose this? Because about two or three times she kept saying that. Who chose this movie? And I said, Corey <laughs> did. She's like, OK, yeah, no, that, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> so this this scene goes down and she's like, oh, my God. She goes, this movie's fucking weird. I go, yeah, in like a good way. <laughs> <laughs> so so she wasn't like completely like disgusted by it, right? No, like... no, no. She, she's more, she's more like, she gets, you know, ghosts scare the shit out of her because, because she, she has, you know, she can talk to spirits yeah. and shit like that. So, uh, so ghosts freak her out. Supernatural stuff freaks her out, but, but practical effects and gore it's more just like oh my god that's over the top kind of thing yeah yeah tiger king freaks her out so (laughs) (laughs) i i thought like like the mom getting fused with the son because i was trying to tell you i was like look the the scenario is very sort of close to her meaning like because you all have a a young son and everything i said that to her i I said, yeah. yeah. I said, do you want Bodhi to go back inside you? She's like, no, no, no. <laughs> God, Jesus you watch Christ. your movie. You watch your movie. <sighs> oh, all right. You so, enjoy. Well, I'm, I'm glad it didn't put her off completely. And now no. I do. I do have sort of a barometer of knowing what she can handle now. <laughs> she can handle it. 
<laughs> yeah, she, she pushed can handle chi- anything. Well, it's, yeah, it's she, whether she, she, I know. she, she can handle anything. She's, she's a very, very strong woman. I remind it's, her it's, that I'm like, hello, you pushed a fucking child out of your body. Like yeah, you can handle you, anything. I show you. Can you. Handle, <laughs> yeah. Don't give me this shit. Like you can't, the, you know, the scene where, uh, the scene where, so, so she doesn't call, she can't handle blood. She doesn't call blood blood. She calls it ha ha because she gets like <laughs> like a throw up in her throat, you know. And then mm-hmm. the scene where uh, Lavinia is like carving her shit up, she's like ha. Okay, so so that was harder for her to watch than like the the fused mom and son. Then yes, yes. Okay, okay, cool. All right, good to good to know. Yes, good to know. Moving forward, I can't wait yes. to. We have such wonderful sights to show you, <sighs> Femme French. Such wonderful sights to show. <laughs> the box. You opened it. We came. <laughs> um, so next day, Nathan is trying to start the car because clearly they got to get the fuck out of there. Oh, this is he, classic he, cage. Classic cage. The car didn't start. He loses his <laughs> shit in the car. It's great. I loved it. Uh, that, yeah, that's awesome. Um, but then he kind of like gets out of the car and they got that shot that's from the trailer from from all like the, the very first still from the movie. It's kind of like him standing by the car and like everything is sort of in a fog and a haze. And like there's just all those beautiful plants that are everywhere. But, you know, they're, they're beautiful but they're not supposed to be there yeah and the whole place is kind of like the 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 plants growing around and everything is is also happening like it's it's building up at the same level it's it's a visual representation of what's going on inside of the characters heads essentially yes so they can't leave that's that's all there is to it um so he back inside i mean just the fact that like lavinia and 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 benny are just sitting on the couch with their uh i start calling it jack mom um but uh in the on jack the <laughs> the the making of the making of they call uh that creature uh jerisa which is part teresa part jack so they call it just jerisa it's okay. like oh god it, it, no there's no good way to say it because the mom should not be fused with her son ever but no. i find it just more disturbing that like benny and and you know lavinia are sitting there trying to like take care of their mom i mean in the whole time she's just moaning the kids moaning like no one's dead you almost wish they were dead right like that just looks like hell and and like then and, and she she like lavinia like rubs her mom's head and her hair comes out in a clump and you can tell that the mom is still able to sort of understand what is happening it's i so guess gross. but oh god all of it's horrible but at the same time fun i do enjoy it so uh they make a mention that it seems like jack is basically getting reabsorbed into her body as as you mentioned earlier to to femme french that's uh they do say it that that's basically what is happening and um it's it, they also benny kind of mentions that and it's it, it's kind of important, but he kind of mentioned something about how time gets distorted around the meteor. So that's another thing that's going to sort of come into play later. Uh, we find out that the sunlight burns uh, Jerisa. <laughs> we can call her Jerisa right now. Uh, so they decided to basically take her upstairs, wrap her in a blanket, take her upstairs to the attic, the, the attic slash office, and uh, basically put her down on a mattress there. Yeah. And, I mean, <laughs> that was that was some like wait, you're going to put her in the fucking attic now? It, uh, Jack mom, like, uh, just close the blinds. She'll be fine. <laughs> man. Okay. I don't know, man. I don't want her. I don't want her in the living room, bro. I don't want her in the living room at all. I don't want no. her near me. 
No, no, no. Now, I will say this. We didn't mention it earlier, but triangles mean something. So the oh, yeah, window yeah. In, in here has a triangle. Um, the she uh, Lavinia had a triangle like hair thing uh, earlier. Yeah. And then remember triangles were big in that, that movie The Void? The Void, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know what triangles mean in the occult world, but I think they mean something. <laughs> I like how Zach's like, wait, so all that was for you to say, I don't know what that means. You're like, that went nowhere. And yes, guys, that went nowhere. So if anyone wants to look into that, please let us know what triangles mean. I know this road goes somewhere. I have no idea where, but it's a road and it goes there. So it goes, it goes somewhere. There. And all I can picture is just you slowly looking at me like, when, where's the story going? And then it goes nowhere. <laughs> No. All right, so Nathan uh Nathan goes downstairs. Uh oh, so so the alpacas, you you hear about them, you know, you can I think you can kind of hear them in the outside and 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 you know, he doesn't Benny and and Lavinia are kind of implying that something's wrong with the alpacas. Yeah. And Nathan's like, "Fine, I'll, I'll go downstairs and take care of it." He goes downstairs, grabs his shotgun, and he goes out into the barn to take care of the alpaca monster. And now we see in its full, you know, entirety, the the fused alpaca monster creature. And this is where it's very the thing. Yes. The one scene. The one scene. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. yeah, it definitely looked like the the dogs in the thing, mm-hmm. that scene. Um, th- that's all. Like, it, it, it didn't, I think... That was maybe an homage, but but nothing more deeper than that. They're not trying to replace anybody or take over. You know, they're at first. Yeah. You really don't understand fully what the point is of this this species that's come from Earth, uh, or this th- entity. Outside of the fact that it's just kind of like wanting to take over, but you don't know if it's like malicious or not. It's just it, yeah. it's just kind of like doing its thing. You know? Right. It's it's just it's terraforming essentially. It's yeah. it's changing the landscape. And I think it's Ezra who says that later, uh, when you hear like his recording, you know, when he's kind of already gone. Um, I, I think he says it's turning the world into like basically what it knows. Um yes. and it's and, and it's just it's changing everything at a molecular base level. And I think on its world, everything is kind of one organic thing fused together. Uh, so so that's kind of like what it is. But we get a great scene now of just Nathan just screaming and blowing up every alpaca head with his shotgun. Like, shot, boom, scream, shot, boom, scream, you know. <laughs> and then to the end where he's just like, ah, ah, you know, covered in blood, totally just emotionally destroyed. Destroyed as one would be in this scenario. It's, good, it's and, great explosion scenes. Great, great head yeah. blowing up scenes. This whole movie's got great head blowing up yes. everywhere. Even yes. even later. Yes. Uh, but yeah, just great, very gooey heads. Just really, really awesome. I I enjoyed his rampage here. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Ditto. Back in the at, back in the attic, uh, Lavinia and Benny are feeding uh, Jerisa, and she's like licking it out of the bowl, like water out of the bowl, like a dog. Which I guess kind of you know, this is where I'm starting to get the idea that like 
like it fuses things together, but it's not just the body that gets fused. It's also kind of your mind a little bit, you know, it's just everything is getting jumbled up. So I almost got the sense that, you know, she might even have some of the dog in, in the DNA uh, with her and Jack at this point. Like everything is just mixed up at this point, like DNA wise. (laughs) The licking was (laughs) hilarious. It was, it was. And, and she does a great job. She, she totally, uh, you know, uh, gets into it and everything. She milks uh, the scene. She milks the scene. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, Nathan comes back in the room and he's just covered with blood. Um, and he tells Lavinia and Benny to go downstairs. He's like, I'll take care of uh, Jerisa. And, you know, I, I get like the sense that. Like you handle the in- alpacas. <laughs> yeah, you, like you handle. That was the one bit of like scripted dialogue that I felt like was a script. You know what yeah. I mean? Like like she was saying it so that the uh so that the audience could understand it, but we already understood it. I didn't think that was needed. No. Um and come on. I think you, I, they're, they're fused together. You fucking put a bullet in them. There's there's yeah. no so they're they're not gonna deco join the twins. No. No. No, I mean it, it's and it's no words can describe the level of fusion that they are. So yeah. you guys just got to see it at this point. Yeah, because little little Jackoff is like uh, at this point. I think his his whole brain and everything. He doesn't even look like he's he's done. Yeah, he's toast. Yeah, he's oh, they're, yeah, they're both toast. They're yeah. both done at this point. Um, and yeah, so so so. But I also got the sense right now that Nathan he. He had his full, you know, faculties like he, he was going to going to do it. Um, you know, he kind of like goes over. They go downstairs. He goes over to his wife. You know, he's going to shoot her. She kind of closes her eyes, but he can't do it. So he leans down and kisses her. And like uh, when he pulls away from the kiss, there's like all kinds of purple, like ectoplasm from his mouth. It's hilarious. To her mouth. It's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. But yeah that's it like like he had his chance it's over like he's at this point i take it that he's pretty much fully infected um and and i think he he missed his opportunity to kind of end end her suffering you know yeah sadly because there is more suffering to be had um but there's only about 30 minutes left in the movie at this point we're we're this is a long one guys so <laughs> uh we cut <laughs> we cut uh back to uh it's kind of like daytime and uh we're at city hall or what we can kind of assume to be city hall ward is kind of waiting waiting to talk to the mayor but we don't actually get a chance to see what he's going to talk to her about because it immediately kind of cuts to him coming out of the building uh that he was just inside and the sheriff stops him and he's like hey can you come over here and look at this and and ward basically goes over to where sheriff and this other guy are, are standing by the bed of a pickup truck and uh, the tarp is uh, there's a tarp over something and Ward's like okay well, you know what do you want to show me and the sheriff pulls it back the tarp and it's just a, a fused mess of flesh which you can tell is, is animals and it's just it's just all kinds of different animals all fused together into one gooey pile of fleshy vomit you know and of course like ward is horrified by what he sees but he does mention that it looks like radiation burn yeah and and i have to say too uh before he was going into his meeting with the mayor you can hear the mayor yelling about 
you know, I don't want to, something to the effect of, I don't want to hear about contaminated water. We're, we're building this fucking dam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know how much contracting money we have coming in implying that they don't give a shit whether this water is contaminated or not. They're building this dam anyways, which knowing what's happened to this family with their water. <laughs> exactly. And thank you so much, Zach, for having my back on this episode. It's it's one of those movies where, man, not a single frame is wasted. There is there is information yes. in every single scene and they are it's layered in there, you know? It's very importante. Yeah, yeah, si. and it's it's really just it's hard to track. It's like okay, I don't want this thing to be like five hours long, so I wasn't sure like what I could drop and you know what I what I had to track and everything. But there is a lot going on in this movie. Well, that's important because it comes back at the end of the movie. So. Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, pretty much everything comes back in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, it's now nighttime at the at the farm. And uh, Nathan is watching TV, but, I mean, you can just tell he's just really, he's, you know, he's losing it, right? And um, he's talking weird and stuff, and uh, his rash is just really bad. And and he's he's talking about uh, where he's going to take his wife on on their trip. Like, he's kind of like, he's delusional at this point, which is, again, something else that'll come back. But he's basically talking to his wife that he thinks is there. He's he's lost his mind, you know, essentially, or he's losing it. And um, so Lavinia and Benny are... They're they're out. They're done. We're, we're we're done with this. So they're they're getting the horse. They're kind of uh, getting the horse out of the barn, getting it ready. Uh, Lavinia sends uh, Benny into the barn to kind of get the saddle. But uh, we see in the horse's eyes are purple, right? So we know something's yeah. something's wrong there. And uh, the horse essentially freaks out, breaks free from Lavinia. She's holding on to the reins or whatever. It kind of breaks free and uh, goes running off, right? And that's their that's their ride. So okay, again. They're they're still stuck at the house. Yeah, because Benny says it's going to take you know, twelve miles of hiking in the in the darkness or something like that. Yeah, exactly. This is where you you find out really just how deep they are. Although, couldn't you technically just use your flashlight and get to the road and then just take the road? But I guess if they're so secluded, I mean, twelve mile walking twelve miles even on a road in the middle of the night. I get the sense that out there you still may never like no one may come across you in that night, you know, because it's so secluded. And a 12 mile hike in the middle of the night, even on a road is a long hike. And knowing what happened to G spot, who knows what else happened to other animals in the forest? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, they're they don't know that. But, yeah, they might have been better off. Who the fuck knows? But not Benny. Not Benny's not better off. That's for sure. Benny, we find out is a fucking moron. So, uh, (laughs) well, he so he thinks or he's hypnotized. Sorry. Yeah, well, so he thinks he hears uh, the dog Sam in the well, and he's like, oh, my God, I got to go rescue him. And uh, I guess, man, I, just, I know what you're saying. Like, he is kind yeah. of dumb for, for doing it. Like, he's, he goes, he looks down. He's like, I think I can see him in the well. And it's definitely just the dog's mouth, you know, down there and a bunch of goo and shit. And, uh, and I, I guess it's like. I mean, you love your dog and everything, and it's like something he can do. I mean, you got to yeah. figure he's he's in a situation where it's everything's out of his control. This is something that he actually can do and be helpful at of of grabbing this dog out of the well. So I I, I kind of get it, but yeah, as a you're watching it as an as an audience member, and you're like, don't go into the damn well. You're screaming at the TV because you yeah. know what's going to happen. But I, I 
kind of can see why he would do it. Like, it doesn't, it's not so, like, egregious to his character that, like, it no. was so out of left field, you know? No, it's not. It, But it was just one of those moments where I was like, oh, this is such a cliche moment because it's clearly yeah. he's going to die. It was yeah. It was one of the few cliche moments in the movie where I was like, nah. And... And you're a hundred percent right. I, I'm not. I, I, I'm not gonna. I don't want to devalidate that because you are completely correct. Out of this entire movie, this part right here was probably the most cliche of you know of him doing yeah. this. Yeah. Um, and you're not at all wrong about that. Uh, but he does sort of like he, he gets like halfway down the well, and then all of a sudden the light starts emanating from the well, and he starts screaming. Yeah. He's trying to climb back up, and and you know it, it, the camera kind of is is the point of view of the light so it's kind of like coming up at him and he's like yelling and screaming and then you know you just sort of cut to to Lavinia like on the outside of the well and then just a, sh- a, a ray of light you know sort of shooting up in the sky so so you know that that he is basically was consumed by the color out of space Ooh, it was a very <laughs> rad scene though i wrote down that one that was very cool very rad because just the way it's shot and everything and the way Lavinia's face looks and you know she's tripping on it, and it's it's a great scene. It, yeah, it is. It is. Even even if it was you know uh, cliche, it still was a well crafted scene. Yeah. And uh, you know as as this happens, like after this has happened, she's like standing there, and Nathan kind of comes up behind her and and grabs her, and you know and you know you're like holy shit, what the fuck's happening? And he kind of takes her upstairs, and he's kinda, he has a little moment where he's kind of talking to her, and I don't remember exactly what the dialogue is, but she's like promising that she'll be better. She's like, I'll watch my 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 foul language and everything yeah. and and you know you could like it got the sense that like he she was getting through to him but then he kind of like his brain sort of flipped a switch i forget exactly what she said but uh what he winds up doing is putting her in the the attic with uh jerisa and uh with his mom with her mom basically and uh we get a quick shot of the mass that is Jerisa over on the the bed and it's like her head is down by the, the the mattress and then some kind of body is going up it's it's not good guys there's nothing good about what has happened to Jerisa at this point it's like you took it's like you took the um alien queen's body and put a human head on it Almost. <laughs> this part right here reminded me of, because she will sort of turn into like a, a spidery creature. Yeah. But right here, she kind of reminded me of that Nightbreed creature design where the oh, guy's yeah. head is in his crotch. And is, you know what I mean? Like, it was yeah. just one of the throwaway Nightbreed creatures. Um, and his head was like down by his legs and his body kind of goes up behind him. She kind of looks like that. But the great thing is, you it's in the shadows and you really can't see it. And honestly, that was the freakiest shot of the whole movie was was the point of view shot of Lavinia looking over in the corner at at the, that that yeah, that was creepy. Yeah, because you couldn't you couldn't get your eyes on it, and you just you could see the face, but that was it, and everything else just yeah. didn't make sense in your head, which is really fucking cool, I think. Um, I, I, I wrote down Jack Mom is looking bad. <laughs> That's all I wrote <laughs> down. Uh, we quick cut to uh, Ward and the sheriff are driving at night through the, down the street, down the road. We know, we kind of get a sense that they're, they're probably by the, the house, the farmhouse. Cause yeah. everything's all foggy. But then out of the fog, we see the white horse just running down the street, which I always find, uh, horses 
that are you know just randomly running out of a out of a woods to be freaky right because something clearly happened yeah yeah it's really cool like it's a, it's, yeah. it's an omen it's a bad omen it's oh yes bad omen exactly exactly so things this is this is pretty much the climax things are going to kind of pick up really fast so zach please just stop me whenever you want to interject something yeah of course but uh it's 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 going to really pick up quickly at this point um nathan back inside the house nathan's pouring himself a drink and he's watching tv and talking to himself but the, at this point the tv is just purple static so you know <laughs> his mind is just gone uh up in the attic this is the like Awesome. This is awesome. Uh, the Teresa Jack, Teresa monster basically attacks Lavinia. And I love that over the head shot where she's like, it's looking straight down on the room so and the creatures just makes a, just makes a beeline right for Lavinia. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's clearly like a, uh, like stop motion effects or something like that. It's, it's a cool, it's, it's a really cool scene though, where it's sped up and yeah, it's really fucking awesome. It's it's a gross creature. I mean, it's her mom's head is like on like a stalk, so it, you know yep. it's kind of like an elongated neck type of thing. Uh, Jack is just like on, like a face on her back, like just staring up into into space. And there's no sense that there's any of their personality like even even left. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so she basically gets attacked. It, it, it jumps on her, and I I hate the fact that the the creature's face is like 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 a centimeter away from her face right like holding her down oh, i'm just so gross oh god that that freaked me out more than anything just being that close and the fact that this creature has like your mom's face like again again i use the word gleefully disturbing it's <laughs> <laughs> a, uh, a good way to sh- good way to sum it up thank you thank you um because it's not hereditary that's just disturbing but uh so downstairs uh ward and the sheriff they see that uh nathan is looking pretty fucking bad yeah like his whole arms are just messed up you know he's talking weird like he can't like move his mouth fully like it's almost like he had a stroke right like he's kind of sort of doing like a low-key sort of stroke talk um but he's just like his body i think is just just you know, under the shirt and everything is probably all just rash like that, which is just, he's, he's, you know, he's losing it. Um, but, uh, they know also that like, you know, he's like, they're like, Hey, where's your family? And he's like, what what are you talking about? My family's all right here. And, you know, of course he points to the living room where no one is. And that's when, (laughs) when Ward and the sheriff are like, Oh no, (laughs) that's always the moment when you're like, "Uh Oh, well, I love that because, because oftentimes in 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 bad horror films there there's there's like a cliche where they're like okay well we're going to leave now or you know or the two guys get killed immediately yeah. you know like in misery or whatever and you're like oh come on um but this this wasn't the case and I do have to point out too uh like the rash that you're talking about he looks like he has grayscale practically from uh, Game of Thrones yeah yeah, it's it's like it's not like a rash. It's like his arm is turning into like leather. It's not quite scales either, but it's like a no, leathery no. thing. He's he's becoming something else. Yes, he's becoming something. Yeah, yeah. Um, right then and there, 
the they hear like Ward and the sheriff hear Lavinia scream upstairs. So they they go running. Yeah. Uh, they find the door to be bolted. Um, the sheriff kind of like kicks the door open with the shotgun, and uh, they go in there. And I mean, they are immediately greeted by something they never expected to see, <laughs> and are both justifiably horrified and yes. incapable of really doing anything. And this is when I thought the guy who played Ward really sold it. I mean, the look of horror on his face was was believable. Yes. Um, luckily, though, Nathan seems to have kind of regained his senses, and he walks in and just explodes her head, just <laughs> blows up Teresa's uh, head, which are technically Teresa's head, because then, you know, he goes over to the body, and there's like a, a shot of the Jack's face sort of looking up, and then the shotgun kind of goes down, and then boom, he shoots Jack as well, and he says, that's not my family, and then just kind of like roll, rolls out of the room with everyone like you know, completely stunned and, and just shocked and awe and everything. And so like, you know, Ward kind of rushes over to, uh, Lavinia, you know, and, and grabs her. And, uh, so he takes, Ward is basically carrying Lavinia and he's carrying her outside of the house and basically the well is exploding with color, exploding with like these color tentacles. Nathan comes up behind Ward and Lavinia. And so he's like on his he's on his uh, front stoop. They are probably they're like a couple steps down, you know, like down on the ground. Yeah. Um, and then you see from from Nathan's point of view, he's aiming a sh- the shotgun at the well with all the light and everything. And Ward and Lavinia are kind of off to the left. Now that's not to say they wouldn't have gotten hit by some buckshot, but he was not aiming at them. No, but, no. but the sheriff comes out and immediately thinks that Nathan is aiming his gun at Ward and Lavinia and he and the sheriff shoots Nathan in the back, basically yeah. like sort of in the back and blows out his front type of his stomach sort of thing. Um, you know, of course Lavinia screams, you know, rushes over to her dad. The tentacles kind of go away. Uh, they kind of shoot back down into the, the well. Um, and then, so she, she has, you know, Lavinia goes and has a moment with her dad. And as he kind of dies and everything, and it's, it's heartfelt. I, I mean, at this point, I, I felt bad, you know, I felt, I felt bad for Lavinia. I, I feel bad for this whole entire family at this point. Yeah. I, I mean, everybody, everybody's getting taken out. So, and it happened so fast. Yeah. And, and yeah. And it's funny because, because Ward's like, he's like, come on, you gotta come with us. And she's like, I'm not leaving my dad. I'm not going, I'm not going. He's like, I'll be back. And I yeah. wrote, I wrote down, no, you won't. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't, I, I'm sorry. I wouldn't, I, I'd be like, yeah, no. No, sorry. I don't like you that much. I don't like you that much. <laughs> Come on. Um, All hell's breaking loose. And I'll be back. Don't worry. I promise you. Yeah. I barely even fucking well, know you. You got a giant diamond carved into your head. You got a giant pentagram laced all over your body. Like, no. Sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to bring you home to my mom for sure at this point. Yeah. What was that show, Sharp Objects, on HBO? Oh, I never saw that. It was really fucking good. It's really good. It's really dark. But I forget the lead actress on that. And I'm like, no offense. You don't look like her. And she's got she's got she's got scars all over her body too. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> spoiler. 
Sorry. It's revealed like, in the I'm first episode. Here, I'm like, this was, this was your triangle story, buddy. It went nowhere. <laughs> no, I was getting there. I was like, should I just drop it? Yeah, no. You're like, no, I'm going to go full. I'm going to go full triangle on this one. <laughs> Her whole body's scarred up. Damn it. So... Uh, Ward and uh, the sheriff, uh, you know, they decide they need to go check on Ezra, of course, right? Why yep. not? Because uh, the nice little squatter, the stoner squatter. He's not doing good. <laughs> He's not doing good. So, like, they kind of, like, you know, creep up onto his house, and you hear him talking, but right away you oh, can tell this. it's yeah. it's not him. It's it's like a recording talking, and they kind of, like, go into, into his house and, and see him sitting in his chair, but... Th- the whole and he's he's dead or he's something he's like decaying looking he's becoming he he got got he got got they like look, all the rest of them yeah they look like um uh lopan in big trouble in little china when he's going through the transformation and his head is glowing mm-hmm. uh when he's like the old man transforming into the the young man a uh, yes. younger man mm-hmm. in the head that's what it looks like it's like this weird yeah. purple light and they look look like they got nothing going on, on the inside yeah, even um, Jerisa had it. Uh, they all seem to have it where, like, their skin is kind of translucent, and then there's, like, this yeah. purple smoke kind of, you know, uh, flowing around and sort of coming out of them. Um, but the entire time, uh, the tape of, I guess, you know, what Ezra sort of recorded, uh, uh, sort of his findings, his thoughts on everything. I mean, this at this point is telling you everything. I mean, he's... He has gone full knowledge character at this point. They're telling you everything. It's it, this is when it says you know it's it's changing the 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 environment to match its own. Yeah. You know it it came from another time and space. Yada yada yada. But he's basically everything that's playing on this recorder tape is is everything you need to know at this point um, about the the creature or the alien or even like what it is. Uh, but like. He then turns into the light, you know. Well, yeah. I should say real quick. I like the scene where, um, um, I like the scene where Ward is looking at the cameras, and then outside everything is starting to get dark. And it's mm-hmm. not that the cameras are going out; it's that the lights are getting blacked out by just a darkness. And so Ward knows that it's essentially coming for them, yeah. and he's like, "We got to get out of here." And as that as that happens, that's when Ezra is kind of like, "Now he's starting to fall apart and turning into this light," and they got to run away from the light. And as they're sort of quickly moving out of the house, walking through the woods, just very quickly, nonchalantly, the the sheriff just gets picked up by a tree, just gets picked up. And like, cause like, so the camera is, is facing the sheriff and Ward sort of walking at the camera, but Ward is a little bit in front of the sheriff. And so it's just, you see them walking and all of a sudden the sheriff just gets picked up. Like the camera doesn't change at all. No. So it's very, it was, I was very startled by that. I did not, it's not like a jump scare, but it's like, Oh, Oh crap. I didn't see that coming at yeah. all. And, and so, and the only thing that kind of startled uh, Ward was that he heard the shotgun hit the ground and go off. So he turns around and he's like, what the fuck? Where's where's the sheriff? And he's like looking around, grabs a shotgun that has a that has a flashlight on the end of it, and he kind of like is looking around. He's like, what the fuck? And then he eventually looks up, and the sheriff is just getting tangled up by the tree. Yeah. And then the tree fucking shoves its branch down his throat. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bad death. Yeah, it was a bad death. It was intense. It was shocking. Shocking. Shout that that was a good one. I didn't expect that one 
at all. No, neither neither did I. So at this point, Ward is just, he, he, it's over, right? He's, he's terrified and everything. Um, he comes running up. He's back to the house. And he's like, and, and just at this point, like, I mean, there's petals on the ground that are like fuchsia. Like it's everything is just kind of covered with this color, but it's not, it's not like, it's not like you just spray paint the the plants that are there. It's like all new plants are growing. Yeah. So like, I like that because you could have easily just, you know, so oh, painted some things or something, but it's like, it's new plants. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's everything. Like we said at the beginning, the cinematography in this is just amazing. And I'll add a uh, set design, like, like the design of this film is beautiful yeah agreed so he kind of goes up to her and she's just standing in front of the well she's covered in blood her eyes are purple (laughs) and uh so she like opens her eyes ward looks at her and they kind of like do this like merging thing ward sees into her eyes they they kind of like do this like an effect that kind of shows you that he's kind of going into her consciousness so he can see what she sees and then we see the alien world that this creature came from yeah this is and awesome. it's just right how cool was this dude this fucking like awesome everything was covered in like like organic tentacles and yeah. and philias and cilias and all kinds of like organic material and the literally like the whole planet is alive yeah, and it's just it's just this onslaught of like worms and tentacles and all sorts of bizarre shit. It's so crazy looking. Yeah, getting a glimpse it's as really to cool. what they what they want to probably turn our planet into. Right. Yeah, like that's what if given a chance, that's what it would turn our planet into. And I guess that's why it merges everything because on its yeah. planet, it's probably like the thing where on its planet. Everything is it. So, like, the whole planet is essentially one giant organism. Yes. Yeah. Not, yeah. not like multiple or- organisms. It's just one organism. One organism. And then, yeah. I'll, and I have th- some thoughts about what happens next. But <laughs> Okay. All right. Yeah. We're, we're right at the end. And then g- give me all your thoughts. So, let's just uh, we'll barrel through this last few seconds of it. So, so he kind of falls backwards and... She just like the, the a pillar of light just starts shooting up in the air from the from the well. You know, it's I mean, it's the biggest tornado of light that we've seen so far. Obviously, it's it's the giant color ejaculation at this point. Color ejaculation. <laughs> it's like and it's shooting straight up into space and it looks like it's going through a wormhole up in space. That's what that's why I kind of circled back around and thought that it kind of came through a wormhole cuz the 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 pillar of flames of the of the fuchsia purple color flames, it looks like it's going through a wormhole. Did you did you notice that? Yeah, yeah, it Yeah, I was trying to I mean, I was trying to figure out like it's so stimulating to look at and there's so much to take in. And this is, this was my first viewing. <laughs> this was your yeah. second. So yeah. you had a little more <laughs> insight into that. Yeah. It did. It totally looked like a wormhole. Well, it's, I will say this. It's cool that like with both of us, uh, uh, we both picked up on different things and, uh, and I feel like we are getting the whole together now, now that we're merging our, our viewings together. Yeah. We're you now. Yeah. Th- th- this, this is what it takes. That's This is why in many ways, I think this is a perfect, <laughs> this is a good ep- movie to review for this, for our podcast, because people will get like a, a primer before they watch the movie. 
you know, and, and that to, to that point, I actually read an article that says that uh, uh, knowing spoilers actually makes your viewing of the movie better. Yeah, it does I, for I, me. It doesn't. I, yeah, it's I, it's kind of weird, actually. I, I kind of feel like it does. I know some people that are like really butthurt by that stuff. And I and I respect that. That's fine. Yeah. I've had some people like get super upset with me because I said one thing and I'm like, yo, you do realize it's a fucking movie. <laughs> people die every day that's more way more to get upset about than uh than you know han solo's dad or han solo being the son of kylo ren han solo being the son of kylo or the, ren the father what of are kylo you talking ren? about what is sorry, happening sorry, right now I'm losing my stroke? mind it's the color <laughs> it's the color out of space in my mind the father of kylo ren han solo is the father of the kylo ren oh god if i'm spoiling that for you now i apologize <laughs> Triangles, guys. Triangles. Triangles. <laughs> Chariots of the gods, oh. childs. Chari- <laughs> Chariots of the gods. They practically own South America. Hey, fuck you, Palmer. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So um, so Lavinia's gone. She's completely consumed by, by the pillar of, of color out of space. And uh, Ward, like the grass, he, like, he's on the ground. His hand's sort of you know, in the grass, but the grass is like coming to life. It looks like sort of the tentacles on the, on the planet. So he's getting up, but like things are distorting now. Like, yeah. like time is distorting around him. So like it's a really cool effect. I'm not even going to try to explain how they do it or what it looks like. Just, just they do a good job of making it look like time and space is kind of getting distorted around him. Yeah. Um, and so he's kind of like, you know, what else are you going to do? He's running back into the house. And when he gets back into the house, who's sitting there on on their easy chair where they're Nate always dog. at is fucking Nate Dog, motherfucker. <laughs> um, I mean, it's like Nathan. And, it's, it's, it, and it, I, <laughs> I was going to go there. Um, but uh, so like, and I love how like Ward's like. Nathan, you're supposed to be dead. Like, he's just, like, losing his shit. And I love how, like, Nathan's like, they're all here with me. And then you see all the family members there because, like, he's – Nathan's talking as, like, Lavinia. So you kind of get the sense that even if it's all – it's going to jumble everything up at this point. Um, But – so, like, Nathan gets up, and I love this. I love this shot where he's running at Ward – but it looks so weird the way he's walking. And uh, in the behind the scenes, what they did was they actually showed this. He walked backwards and they filmed it and then they just reversed it cool. to kind of to kind of give it that weird jarring effect. Um, they do that in uh, Tron sometimes, too. Uh, yeah. Movies, it's it's honestly it's one of the, the, the weirdest things you can do is to have an actor walk in reverse and then have them walk forward. It's like the easiest way to make a weird effect, you know? It's effective. <laughs> it's, it is very effective. So they have like a little bit of a, of a fight. Uh, Ward kind of breaks free, scrambles, and goes down into the basement. This is the only thing I got to say is how did he know that the basement was there? He never saw it. No, I know. That, 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 was, my, that was my issue too. Okay. Okay, so I, I, I didn't miss something there then. No, you didn't. And okay. I'm like, why is the basement protected? It's not like a bomb shelter, but whatever. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, they showed the basement earlier when when uh, Nathan had to go down there and get get some wine, and it's like it's it's in the floor, it's in the hallway floor right before the kitchen, but it's like yeah. it's almost like it's like an attic, right? Like how the attic is on the the like in most people's houses, it's on the ceiling, you know, to go in. It's like reversed. It's like on the floor, and you have to lift the floor up. So yeah. Ward goes down into the the cellar, and it's kind of like a it's like a wine cellar. It's like yeah. a fancy wine cellar. Yeah, and so he goes down into the cellar, but but Nathan can't kind of, you know, get down there. He's like hitting it and everything. But outside the, the pillar of light is just getting bigger and bigger and more all consuming. And, and Ward is downstairs screaming while like all the wine things around him are exploding. And then it's not just like shaking, like he's becoming distorted. Like, like time and space are getting just completely just fucked around him until it culminates in just a giant explosion. Like mushroom cloud practically yeah like epic like epic so next day cut to you know ash on the ground a skeletal a skeletal hand with a with a wedding band on it so you know it's nathan's and uh it's just but it's a skeleton you know and and ward comes out of the the rubble you know he survived and he's just he's standing in essentially a crater and it's like it's it's I mean it's all dust. It's all just white dust everywhere and it's just smoke and everything and he's like at ground zero. Yeah. And the camera kinda like pulls up and then you see like how big, you know, this crater is. And I'll say this. I thought at first before the camera pulled back to show that like, yeah, it was in the middle of the woods, you know, Um, you could see like the crater goes to woods. I thought that Ward was teleported to the planet that the creature was from or to another planet. Like I thought it was going to be all of the the void basically. Yeah, no, I I thought the same. I thought the same thing. I'm like, oh shit. Did we go into like the, the beyond so to speak? Yes. And then I started thinking, did this thing explode because it couldn't sustain itself on Earth? That was my thought. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Real quick. So we'll just finish it up because we'll, yeah. let's just let's because we'll, I'm going to talk about those thoughts. Um, so that's that's that. Then it kind of we get a little bit of a time jump and Ward is standing on this this dam and he's got like some gray facial hair. So I think we can kind of establish that it's been a bit of a time jump and everything. And there's like this. Um, it, it goes back to his voiceover talking about how, you know, they say the water is safe, but I'll never drink it again. Just it's another very lovecraftian ominous sort of you know dialogue and he kind of like flicks his cigarette and walks away and then that uh that that pray the alien praying mantis comes flying you know yeah that was cool little little mascot yeah the little mascot and then it says colorado space and that's the movie ladies and gentlemen so yeah so zach yeah so your thoughts on the the at the very end when the thing explodes, like if it's here to transform the world, like why does it essentially leave? Uh, you know, like why does it make such an explosion that it it, it jettisons itself back into space? I guess. Um, good point. I, it, like it couldn't sustain itself on Earth. Uh, that was your takeaway. I don't have a better takeaway than that. Well, thanks because I because I because I rule. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, no, I, I I don't know. I, yeah, because I'm like there's there's no explanation um, as to why it did what it did. The only thing for me that makes sense, because at this point now you do realize it wants to take over and and defend itself. That's why it killed the sheriff. 
the only thing to me that makes sense is that it just wants to take over the planet and but it can't sustain it it explodes because it's it's just too much energy sustained on our earth or the environment or something i don't know that was my thought well i'm just thinking of this now but I, wouldn't it make more sense, at least filmatically, that maybe um, when Lavinia got consumed, she somehow, oh. like her, her her psyche somehow forced it off the planet? Like like that yeah. would kind of like be giving her a sort of a, a heroic death, maybe. That no, that's a good that's a good uh, that's a good theory. I like that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, that, but that this works. movie, but this movie very much leaves a lot of things open to interpretation because, uh, you know, like we said earlier, like the whole thing with the phone, like what was that? Like why were, why were you hearing, um, like it sounded like terrified screams of, of, the, of, you, of you? Like sometimes it sounded like Lavinia, like, like hearing herself scream or something. So it was, maybe it was kind of messing with space and time. But, but it didn't like there, – there's no explanation for that. Um, and a lot of that with this movie is that you just have to sort of accept it and kind of go with it. And I think once you start saying, you know what, I don't give a fuck about logic. I don't really, I can't really figure out what it's trying to do, but it's, you know, it's doing things. If you can just kind of like let that go, you can, it's a fun ride to be a part of. Agreed. Agreed. There there's plot holes. There's things that don't necessarily make sense. Let all that go aside. It's a fun, uh, different ride than what you're used to watching on a regular basis in modern films. It has elements of Fulci. It's got elements of uh, Carpenter. It's got elements of, you know, uh, (laughs) it's got elements of Richard Stanley. Yes. I, yes. (laughs) Yeah. And then elements of, uh, you know, RIP to, uh, you know, the man that did fucking reanimator from beyond and, you know, Stuart, Stuart, uh, Stuart Gordon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got, it's got definitely homages to him as well. So in it, whether that's intentional or not, I love, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. I'd watch it again easily to watch it again. Yeah. Yeah. No, me, me too. And I, I mean, I'll say this, like, I'm happy Richard Stanley is back. Like, I mean, he nailed it with this. It's it's such a good movie. I mean, you know, hardware had its problems, but it's it's a low budget film, you know. But it's nice to see what like Richard Stanley can do with like a modern budget, even though it's not like a huge budget. Agreed. But it's it's nice to see what he can do with a budget. So I hope that this opens the doors for him. I mean, what a what a comeback, you know? Like what a one hell of a comeback. Some might say this is one of his best movies he's done. I mean, you guys know I love hardware, but I, I think technical proficiency, this is probably his best movie. Yeah, I agree. And now and, can, we, and, can we have the same with John Carpenter now, please? <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Exactly. And and I'll say this just, just to wrap it up with Richard Stanley. It felt like he didn't have to compromise his beliefs to make this movie. It felt like it was very much... His movie, he did write the script for it, or, you know, he was one of the the writers of it and everything. Um, And he is a huge, 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 huge H.P. Lovecraft fan. Um, Guys, if you have not listened to this podcast, it's called Conversations. It's the, it's actually the Spectravision podcast. So it's hosted by Elijah Wood and the other guy. And um, they interview Richard Stanley for... Like when they were filming, you know, the, the, this movie 
for that. And guys, it's uh, it's Richard Stanley can be hard to listen to. He says um after every sentence, <laughs> every single sentence says um. But if you can get past it, he's got some ideas, and you can tell that this movie was his movie, and you can tell that they allowed him to make his movie and they understood him. And they even say like when they were like, you know, at at the beginning, they're like, you know, Richard Stanley is the the man for this job. And everyone in Hollywood's like, Oh my God, Richard Stanley. Like everyone knows, you know, it's, it's mythical. His, his fall from grace is, is epic. But I think this was the perfect comeback for him. And like you said earlier, it was nice that it got that limited resource, it was nice that it got that limited run release in the theater. Uh, I like you. I wish I saw it in the theater, but hey, we all live in a time and age when we all have huge TVs now, so you know we don't really miss that much. But uh, I do wish I supported it in the theater. But we own the copies, so I can say that we supported it. You know, and I'm just happy Richard Stanley's back, man. And I, I just I want to see what he does next. But at the same time, can I just say that? Wouldn't it just be nice if he just never made another movie again and just kind of leave it like this? Well, I'm sure he wants to make another movie, but uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, but, yeah <laughs> he no. absolutely does. <laughs> I agree, I agree. No, and, and uh, it it definitely feels like yeah, he wasn't. It wasn't just some paycheck like you sometimes see with with well known directors, and they do a movie, and you're like, that's that doesn't. I don't see any of your style in that. This felt like. This was his movie through and through, and and it was thoroughly enjoyable. Yep, I agree, man. I agree. It felt like, and especially from the behind the scenes stuff. Uh, you know, it's it's only like a twenty minute documentary. It's it's not great, but it's it's decent. Uh, but it seems like it's just a passion project for everybody. It seemed like everyone wanted to be there, and I, we, you know, we talk about that sometimes on on this podcast. You can just tell. You can tell when the energy behind the scenes is positive, and it kind of comes out, you know, in front of the camera. Yeah, totally. Um, totally. Yeah. But speaking of passion, Zach, buddy boy. Where can we find you online out there in the <laughs> podcast sphere and the Twitter verses? Find me on Instagram uh, at Zach Schaefer and find me on Twitter at Zach Schaefer VO uh, and find me on my alternate podcast. Um, it's $2 late fee uh, on Instagram and then $2 late fee.com. Um, it's a fun 80s nostalgia trip. We interview celebrities uh, unique celebrities and we talk about we take a movie and a song from that movie and uh, break it not break it down but just discuss it and discuss what happened during that year as well in uh, all in the spirit of positivity it's a fun mm-hmm. fun show so thank you it is it is and if you guys listen to just one episode of two dollar fee i highly recommend vince decola but i also oh, yeah. highly recommend listening more than one episode but um, yep. but that one was a really really good one he's you guys talked to uh the composer of rocky four in transformers the movie vince decola yeah yeah he yeah vince decola has a crazy story had no intention of being a music composer and then ends up composing uh probably the most iconic uh 80s sports movie of all time one of the one of the most popular rocky movies of all time mainstream you know top t to b and uh yeah he's got a great story and then next month we are interviewing well uh and the upcoming we'll have eric roberts um and we've got other 
big guests as well, but Eric Roberts is probably one of our biggest guests. But yeah, oh, Vince Nicole. That's a good one. That's yeah. Thank you, <laughs> Vince Nicole. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we, and I where, also didn't know. I, 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 no, I was gonna say I learned, and I learned on that interview that he wrote uh, Dare. Right? He wrote Dare, and which is which is one of my favorite songs from the '80s of all time. That and uh, the other one by Stan Bush uh, is touch. on my '80s playlist. Yeah, the Touch. Um, both of them are on my '80s playlist. But I always liked Dare a little bit more, and Vince DiCola wrote that one. Well, the, and the and the reason the reason why I think you like it more is Dare was written for Transformers the movie. The Touch was not written for mm. Transformers the movie. The Touch was originally slated to be in Sylvester Stallone's Cobra movie. Oh, uh, which, oh no shit. Okay. Yeah, which I just don't see how it kind of fits into the movie. Clearly it yeah. didn't because uh, they didn't use it, and they used it for Transformers the movie. So there you go. There you go. So that's, that is good, good stuff. That is wild stuff. Yes, yes, you're welcome. Hey, <laughs> where can we find you, Sleazy C? Yeah, man. You can uh, listen to me every week talk about Seinfeld with our buddy Adam on Cotright, a Seinfeld podcast. Uh, you can hear me every week talk about comic books with our pal Tess on the ongoing comic book discussion podcast. And uh, this podcast, Podcasting After Dark, and those, as well as Friday Five, as well as Talking Back podcast, as well as well as the Blast From Our Past podcast, can all be found on the BFOP network. And uh, our website for all of those is www.bfopnetwork.com. That is bfopnetwork.com. There is a link in the show notes if you ever want to check that out. And and, uh, yeah, if you guys like what we do, we do a whole lot more of the shit that you like right. <laughs> over on Patreon. So check that out. We have uh, we actually have two shows extra a month. We have a show called Wrap Up After Dark, which is Zach and I kind of just doing a, a freeform conversation because these episodes are so structured. We don't get a chance to just shoot the shit and talk about, like, what movies we've been watching lately and stuff. So, I mean, it's yep. all still, like like pad centric, but it's, it's a much more of a fun free form show. We usually go for like an hour and 20 minutes or so, depending on how chatty we are. Um, but the real meat and potatoes of the Patreon page is interviews after dark. And that is our exclusive interview series. Right now we have interviews with Jeanette Goldstein. She played Vasquez and aliens. We have, Director Brian Usna, who directed Return of the Living Dead Part 3, a bunch of other stuff. We have Tony Timpone. Oh, my God. We have uh, Stephen Jeffries. We have Tom Matthews from Return of the Living Dead from Friday the 13th. He was Tommy freaking Jarvis, man. Uh, we have Zach Ward, who played um, Scott Farkas in A Christmas Story. And by the time you hear this, pretty soon our interview with John Philbin will drop this month on, on Patreon. So, yep. guys, if, if you like we do all proceeds go to just you know keeping the lights on here keeping uh servers up and running renting studio space to interview these guys and everything and then eventually we want to start you know going to conventions and stuff getting some merch made and everything so every penny of your donations goes right back into the show and uh we really appreciate all the love and support you guys already give us all all the patrons already uh supporting us are, are fantastic and um but if, if, you know, times are hard right now, we totally understand that. And if you don't have money to, to put towards the Patreon, we totally, totally get that. A free way 
for you to help out the show is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You're like, okay, oh, these guys, oh, that's just vanity. It's it's actually not. Um, it's a way that Apple Podcasts actually uses their algorithm to, to have you have our show show up higher in searches on the Apple Podcast app. So if you like what we do, you want to help us out, but you you don't have this cash to spare, no big deal. Just take a minute or two and leave us a nice five-star review. That would just go wonder, like just, it would go far to help us out. Those are, those are really, really helpful. And, you know, share the show with your friends. Let, let other people know about us. Share it, show it, love it. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, all right, guys. Well, we hope everyone is staying safe out there and, uh, we hope everyone's having fun. I guess. I don't know. But uh, we will be back shortly with a brand new episode of Podcasting After Dark. Until then, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we'll catch you on the dark side. Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus... You get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la.